Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of May 19th, 2022, including Starfield and Redfall have both been delayed, Gears of War could be getting its Master Chief collection, and Dying Light 2 developer Techland are working on a new fantasy action RPG, and more. And on this day in Xbox history, Fallout 4 Far Harbor DLC was released on the Xbox One worldwide in 2016. Wow. Don't you, doesn't it just feel like it was yesterday? But seriously, real talk, knowing that 2016 was six years ago makes me kind of want to uh, burn my eyes out. But hey, guys, welcome to episode 154 of the Xbox On podcast. That's right. Again, we're just furthering the point for all of you who were there on episode 150 about a month ago saying, congratulations, 150 episodes, what a big accomplishment. I say to you, well, I, t I see your 150 and I raise you four more episodes. Where are you guys at now? Where's the big congratulations now? That's right. But anyway, thank you for being here this week, guys. I'm excited to get into this week's news because, well, I, or I'm excited to get into this week's podcast because, well, first of all, I'm kind of in the podcast mood. I feel like the past few weeks have been, you know, you know how it is. It's like anything you love. Sometimes you're really in the mood for it. Sometimes you're doing what you got to do. Uh, this week, I'm pretty in the mood for some Xbox podcast talking. And, and not only that, but I just feel like the kind of stuff that's in the news is uh, encouraging because it's a lot of news of like, game was announced, game was delayed, talk about a video game instead of like what we've been getting for the past year, which is like uh, corporation bought corporation, other corporation invested in corporation, uh, guy who runs corporation sexually harassed a woman. And it's like, ah, video games. So I'm excited this week and I hope you are as well. Guys, another reason why this week's episode is a little exciting and bear with me, I promise we're about to just swing right into the show, but I decided I'm going to, I'm going to mix up the formula a little bit. I will be Pretty honest with you, Xbox On has been kind of like uh, just stuttering a little bit in terms of traction and following, and uh, that's kind of new for the show because I've been blessed and fortunate enough that the show generally has just been increasing in audience uh, over over the years, the three years I've been doing the show. Yeah, three years, God. But uh, yeah, lately it's been kind of stalling a bit, so you know, it's my show, it's my job to figure out how to, how to make it more enticing, and I think... I think if I'm trying to think about the show from a perspective of, of an audience member of someone who's just who just casually listens to the show, I think maybe one of the issues with this podcast is we go a little too wacky at the top of the show and then a little too serious on the latter half, and that may might make it a little uh, a little bit of a turnoff to some uh, newcomers as well as you know people who just want to hear about Xbox and then kind of ease their way into the camaraderie. So I decided for the next couple of weeks, we're going to switch up the formula of the podcast. I'm going to take the comments section that we normally do pretty early on and shift it down towards the end. So after the news, then we'll do comments. We'll do it as kind of like a, a dessert course, if you will. Uh, and then I'm kind of going to remove the games of gold and new game releases because especially the new game release section, I feel like that's been just kind of, um, 
just being kind of dead weight hanging on there. It doesn't really need to be there. And the games with gold really could be a one-and-done story once a month every time the new games with gold are announced. I don't need to beat you over the head with it every week. So whatever. Long story short, we're going to try a different format, slightly different. Uh, I encourage you, if you are generally a vocal person, or even if you're not anyone um, who, who would like to comment in, please let me know your feedback, uh, ways we can improve the show. Always looking to make this show uh, more fun for you to listen to because it, I think in turn that will make it more fun for me to make. So appreciate that. And with that news out of the way, guys, we're just jumping into this week's podcast. So we got our opening segment. We always do each and every week stories of mild amusement updates and stories we talked about um, last week. Uh, corrections, if if applicable, of course, there almost almost are never any corrections because let's be honest, I'm a goddamn Wikipedia. Uh, bank of knowledge just waiting to spill my Xbox related guts out to you on this podcast each and every week but more important than that guys for the second week in a row I'm proud I'm happy I'm elated to relay to you that there is no Activision update for us to have to waste our time with that's right Mr. Kodak didn't go around touching any boobies this week no one did any fucking here's some money under the table hush hush California let's be friends and you don't make it you don't make me look bad for being racist none of that we don't have to deal with any of that this week this week no news is good news so fuck off Activision go make another Black Ops game because that's all you're good for and uh, we'll jump into the other stories, updates, bits of mild amusement. Guys, this is actually, I, f- I find this one quite interesting. Let's talk about Atlas. Atlas, the developers of the popular Persona games. Atlas, who, of course, owned by Sega. Atlas, who, of course, pretty much never make games for Xbox. Let's talk about them. So Windows Central spotted this, this, um, this survey that Atlas had been putting out, looking for feedback from their players on their franchises. And of the 38 questions of the survey, one of them asked... Or, or question 38 of the survey, rather, asked, if a sequel in the following game series were to be released, what platform would you want to play it on? And then the answers from, you know, multiple choice answers, uh, they include, like, PlayStation, all the shit that, you know, per, uh, that Atlas generally supports, but also included Xbox. And then on top of that, you know, Persona, to, to, to kind of add more context, Persona has basically an exclusive history of being a PlayStation-related game, and then their other big franchise, Shin Megami Tensei, has an almost exclusive history of being on Nintendo hardware. So it's pretty much always been the case that Atlas is either Nintendo or Sony, but never Xbox. They have a very uh, Square Enix kind of Final Fantasy kind of take with their franchises. Generally speaking, of course, a lot of more modern Final Fantasy games do make their way to Xbox, but that was only just a, a light comparison. Now, fuck off and listen here, because it's important to note, Persona has made an appearance on Xbox in the past, in 2012 and 2004, they released uh, Persona 4 Arena and Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, respectively. So those are fighting games. The mainline actual RPG Persona games have never been on Xbox. And we've talked about on this show in particular how I think that's a huge missed opportunity. I think Xbox needs to be more aggressive about trying to get Persona on Xbox. Because th- this is the thing is like we've seen, especially in recent years and especially in early history year or early years of Xbox history, Microsoft has a good relationship with Sega. Sega owns Atlas. Well, I don't understand where the disconnect is that we can, someone can't pull some strings, do some favors, figure out a way to get Persona on Xbox, especially considering that since the release, uh, release of Persona 4 and more recently Persona 5, that, that, that series has really started to blow up and become a, a big thing here in the West. So you can't even, you can't even like deflect with the excuse of like, oh, it's a Japanese-centric game, so they put on more Japanese-centric hardware. The, the Western audience isn't really into that. It's like, no, dude, Persona 5 on PS4, uh, 3 and 4 was, like, pretty damn big, and 
it would have been great on Xbox, honestly. I, I would have loved to finally given the franchise a try if they had put it on Xbox. And I feel like it's always been a missed opportunity. So this survey, of course, which is often just kind of feeling things out, it, we, it's not necessarily indicative of anything that is happening. But it, it is promising to know that this is at least information that's being vetted and, and, and thought out. Um, paired with the fact that we know Atlas is still in this weird one-year celebration thing they're doing where, like, every fucking month or something, they're announcing some little tidbit news about Persona and then for in celebration of the 25th anniversary of the franchise. And especially later in the year, we're supposed to get, like, the culmination of all these small announcements to one big announcement, which everyone assumes is probably just going to be the next Persona game. It's probably going to be a proper reveal for Persona 6, but... Who knows? Maybe this could be the first Persona game that makes its way to Xbox. I, I, I don't know. And, and, and you, the other thing that always gets me is it's like, well, maybe there's like some kind of contractual deal why Persona, why Persona can't come to Xbox because, you know, maybe maybe Sony has a deal with them where it's like, you know, they, they pay a lot of money to keep it kind of platform exclusive or something, kind of like what likely happened with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I, I don't know. But... That kind of gets shot down because, again, Persona has had some spinoff titles on Xbox. Persona also recently had a pretty big spinoff title, a borderline sequel to Persona 5, come exclusively to Nintendo Switch. Or was it? It was either exclusive on Switch or it was like Switch and PlayStation. I don't know. But what, what was it called? Persona 5 Strikers uh, came out like two or three years ago. That was a Switch game. And so it's like it doesn't seem like there are any legal barriers why they couldn't put these games on Xbox. And again... Atlas is a Sega-owned company, so I don't see why in a world where Phil Spencer's always talking about trying to get more Japanese content on Xbox, get Xbox to appeal to a more Japanese audience, and also just, you know, celebrate Japan's gaming culture on the Xbox ecosystem for everyone, including us Westerners, who at times actually enjoy Japanese games. I know it's blasphemous, but I don't always just want to play Halo. I don't know. I just feel like Persona is a very possible and a very viable option, and I'm sure there have been discussions behind the scenes, both at Microsoft and, and at Atlas, but like, why have we never seen Persona on Xbox? And I would like to see that change. So this uh, survey, while it's not indicative of anything necessarily, it, it does get your hopes up and get your imagination going. And who knows, maybe one day we'll actually play a Persona game on Xbox, a proper non-spinoff title, uh, full release, big, big ordeal suck it sony we got persona sex who knows i'm just dreaming all right so that's our first one see that, that, that's exciting we're talking about video games we're talking about hypotheticals isn't it fun to talk about video games on a video game podcast all right mr kodak you keep your hands to yourself all right now vgc as our second little uh, story of mild amusement let's talk about canceled scarface game now this is a franchise that feels very home at xbox on xbox but vgc reported that Concept art for a cancelled Scarface 2 sequel had a, has emerged online this past week. YouTuber Mafia Game Videos shared some screenshots that show uh, that were leaked by uh, former employees of Radical Entertainment and shows off a Vegas strip as well as the Nevada desert kind of concept art for this uh, scrap Scarface game. The screenshots have seemingly been on various artists' art stage pages for year art station pages for years but only have now come to light thanks to this video and in the screenshots they appear to be environment uh environments in the game that have also been released showing off a uh, lobby of a casino parking garage so lots of different concept art for what this game at least uh from an environmental standpoint where, where it would have taken place and things like that scarface for those who don't recall we haven't seen one of these games in a while but the most recent one scarface the world is yours was an action adventure game uh developed by radical entertainment who was seemingly working on this um, that was released back in 2006 on the OG Xbox and an Xbox 360 version was a, was in, in development but never actually happened. 
Uh, the developer Radical Entertainment was also known for a large number of licensed games during that era of OG Xbox games, where in 2005, uh, the team was actually acquired by Vivendi Universal Entertainment, which are a bunch of Frenchmen, uh, and then that, that team later got merged in and bought out by Activision in 2008. That's, of course, when they bought Crash and Spyro and all that yummy, yummy shit. Radical's first game as a lead studio was 2012's Prototype 2, which they made under Activision. It would serve as a support studio for Bungie during the development of the first Destiny game. And yeah, the the Scarface franchise has been long dormant since. Now, this is interesting because, obviously, I'm not going to show you the concept art. It's an audio-only podcast. It sounds silly. But this is exciting because... Or exciting. This is bittersweet because... Scarface was I, I remember the Scarface games. I never actually played them, but I had I had a childhood friend who was like really into the the, the two Scarface games. I remember he had them on PlayStation and he would play them all the time and he'd always be like, Oh, isn't this game so cool? And I always remember this was the the friend from my youth that I most associated with Grand Theft Auto. This was the friend where like I would go over to his house on the weekend and we would have sleepovers and be like, yeah, we're going to play Grand Theft Auto. We're going to enter in the cheat code and, you know, kill a hooker, drive a car up a fucking building and then parachute down a skyscraper. And that's that's Grand Theft Auto. See if you can get five stars and how long you can outrun the cops. And so I always maybe this is just because I associated him as the, the Grand Theft Auto friend. But I always also felt like Scarface. I was like, this is like a very even as a kid, I was able to like acknowledge this. I'm like, this is like a very fun licensed property tie-in kind of budgety spin-off, not spin-off, but like inspired alternative game to like a Grand Theft Auto. And I don't know, maybe it's because, again, I've I've just always had that association with those two properties together, but I feel like Scarface could have and should have been a very fun, more tonally serious kind of alternative option to Grand Theft Auto. Now, of course, we ended up getting the Mafia games, which were kind of like that in a way. We ended up getting the Saints Row games, which were way goofier, but we never, I, I don't know, I feel like there was always the opportunity for Scarface to have a more Grand Theft Auto kind of approach, and um, I don't know, man, it, it, it seems like such a missed opportunity now, especially considering this developer, this development talent is all but, you know, non-existent, considering Vivendi's gone, absorbed by Activision, Activision only makes Call of Duty and sexual harassment claims, and that's about it. And it's like, okay, Xbox. What, what do you think Xbox is gonna fucking buy Activision and be like, all right, let's try to find a team who wants to make a sequel to Scarface? So it, it kind of sucks that that's the case, but I don't know. I'll, I'll always just remember, you know, there's just so much potential with this franchise. I feel like, especially in today's world where licensed games aren't generally budgety kind of afterthought games or licensed tying games, they're generally like really highly thought out triple a full-fledged experiences like what we're getting with like spider-man and the batman arkham trilogy and hogwarts legacy and all these kinds of games where you know it's like these are serious video games i feel like scarface is just it's so rife with that potential and we're probably never going to get it so a little interesting to know that there was something in development we're probably never getting it and also grand theft auto 6 is going to be an online game that asks you to subscribe to shit probably maybe i don't know all right our last update I want to share for this week before we get into the proper news and all of that is actually, guys, I'm going to try to say something positive, short, sweet about 343 Industries. I know. Listen, I love 343. I love Halo. I like Halo Infinite quite a bit, but I've, uh, I feel like I need to lay off the Halo Infinite talk because I've been a little too negative. Mojo, your feedback is received. All of you guys who have said, Jesse, stop bullying Halo Infinite. It only has millions and millions of players to defend it. 
343 have announced this week that after a lot of controversy surrounding season two and all the nerfs and bug fixes that were uh, that were brought to the game, that they're actually going back and retroactively reintroducing some of these bugs um, because fans complained that, that that they didn't need to be removed, that they actually added fun. So more specifically, they, they said that the notorious gun jamming bug will be fixed, but, but as far as bringing back fun bugs, they're going to bring back the skill jumps and the tank gun cheat or whatever you want to call it, glitch from the campaign. Uh, for those who don't know, the the tank gun, I don't remember how you do it. I haven't done it myself. I've seen videos of it. It's basically like where you, you get in a scorpion and you basically like cheese it to where like Chief is like holding what looks like a turret, but it's like basically the top of the, of the scorpion. You can just have like unlimited ammo and just blow fucking banished up with a with a scorpion uh turret it's it's fun it's goofy i don't see why you would take it out it's something that most people are never going to come across it's a little glitch but for those who figured out it's actually more fun than it is anything and i think they received that feedback and were like okay okay we'll put it back in so that's i i I appreciate this especially the whole skill jumping thing that people were complaining about not no longer being a thing in multiplayer because i think for a lot of halo fans the quirks and bugs surrounding some of the classic halo games were a lot of what made the game so endearing and fun and unique and by taking that out you kind of neuter some of the charm and fun of halo um you know you think about like halo 2's um you think about like the Halo One Magnum, how the Halo One Magnum is like the most overpowered weapon in first-person shooter history. Or you think about like Halo Two, how like the fucking energy sword lunge is completely broken as hell, and it like lunges you a fucking thousand meters forward every time you try to lunge at an enemy. And all these things are like kind of stupid and kind of broken, but it's like. It is what it is. These games are from a time where you can't go back and patch these games. You know, people didn't just get on Halo 2 one day and and Bungie pushed out an update which patched the lunge uh, distance on, on the energy sword. It just didn't happen. Rather, players just had to live with it and deal with it. And it ended up kind of becoming a part of the meta and, and fans went on to like kind of learn to live with it and then even like it and then admire it and it became like a thing. It's like Halo 2 is known for its completely fucked energy sword and halo one is completely known for its fucked system with the with the magnum being overpowered and this is kind of in that spirit it's like listen it's it's not supposed to do this necessarily or it's not necessarily the way the developer intended it but fans found it and it added more fun and enjoyment and amusement to the game rather than more pain and, and belly aching and in and, and grief and in and, and whatnot so i don't know this is i guess this kind of calls to calls to question, you know, at what point is a bug really a bug? Obviously, it's an unintended thing that happens in the game uh, that was not, you know, not the intention of the development team, but if it adds more fun and amusement to the players, maybe sometimes bugs are a good thing, or, you know, something like this is a good thing, because it's like, hey, we weren't trying to go for this, but this glitch or this bug or this exploit exists, and it's in such a way, especially when you think about like the uh, the tank gun. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's campaign. It's not it's not it's not ruining the fun for other players because it's not like you're doing that in multiplayer. It's just it's just a fun like meta thing for fans to enjoy and make fun videos out of and stuff like that. So why fix it? If people are enjoying it. Why fix it? And I, I applaud three four three for acknowledging that and putting it back in there because I feel like so often these days. Everything tries to be so buttoned up and professional and, and, and over-polished. That's like, no, no, no. Sometimes the flaws and the imperfections is what makes games fun. We don't need to patch the fuck out of everything. You know, not everything has to be flawless, especially considering how 
absurdly finicky and flawed video games kind of are inherently. So props to them for that. I thought that was cool that they did that and a nice little victory for the fans. But guys, that's it for all of our updates, stories of mild amusement, which means because we're not doing comments right now, we're going to save them towards the end of the show. We're actually going to move into the, the main course of the show. But I feel like there has to be just a little respite, a little bit of comedic levity and fun and lightheartedness before we jump into the the hefty news we have to get into. So before we get into the news, I'm going to tell you about what I've been playing this week. But before I can tell you about the games I've been playing this week, I got to tell you about what I've been eating. And guys, this is a big one. Strap, strap in for this one, guys. Mexican pizza is back at Taco Bell. Now, I've got to be honest. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an OG fan because I'm not. I don't know... I, I'm not familiar with the with the mythology surrounding the Mexican pizza from Taco Bell, to be honest. I know it's been on the menu for quite a while. It's quite an old item. I don't know when it went on the item. I don't have a, a rough idea of that. And I also don't know when it left the menu, but I do know that in recent years, the internet has been in a complete meltdown whenever the conversation of Taco... Whenever the, Taco Bell enters a conversation because people will be like, I miss Mexican pizza. Bring back Mexican pizza. And... I swear to God, I had this one time like four years ago. I'm pretty sure it's only recently been taken off the menu, but it was a longtime favorite. Yes, it went away. And Taco Bell is finally like, hey, retro, awesome 90s kids. We're bringing back Mexican pizza, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome. It's sauce on a fucking tortilla chip and cheese. Go nuts, guys. $5, please. Anyway, they brought back Mexican pizza this week, and um, they're kind of slowly easing into it. They're trying to do like a hypey, trendy social media thing about it. So like, you have to order it in the app, and it's only available for a few days and all this shit. I'm like, whatever. We talk about Taco Bell so much on this podcast. I feel like I have no real touchstone with this Mexican pizza that people love so much. So I had to go and try it just so I can have some kind of understanding of what this is all about. So today, actually, damn, recording this Wednesday. Um, it's the last day you can mobile order it for this exclusive limit. Whatever. They'll probably just put it on the menu regularly after this. But I went on the app uh, while I was at work today. I was like, fuck it. I ordered one. I went to the Taco Bell down the road from me, which, mind you, the Taco Bell next to where I work is the one and only Taco Bell in my entire life I've ever been to where I will say, this Taco Bell sucks. The line's always long. They fuck up every order they get no matter what. The service is terrible. It's like the worst Taco Bell. And the thing is, like, it's fast food, dude. You have to have low expectations. And I do, generally. I never... In fact, this is how you know my expectations are low is because I'm here telling you my 27 years of eating fast food habitually, I have never been to a Taco Bell that I would straight up say is a bad Taco Bell. I've had bad experiences at Taco Bell, but I've never been to a Taco Bell that I would say is that's a bad Taco Bell. Do not go there. Avoid that location. I would never say that about a Taco Bell except this one, except this this one I, I've only been going to for the past year or two at my work, right down the road from my work. It is the worst Taco Bell ever. So I only say that to say prep yourself. If if I don't always love everything I've tried here, it's probably because I went to a really bad location. But I tried the Mexican pizza. It took them like 20 minutes to, to make it, and uh, I felt bad. And the only reason I mentioned that is because, again, I, I wonder if they're like, oh, fuck, we just started serving this. We don't know how to make it properly. Let's figure it out. I'm not saying, oh, it took too long for them to make it. I'm saying, like, it is possible that what I'm about to tell you about my my experience trying this dish might not be indicative of how it's supposed to be properly made. I don't know. But I, I got the thing, and I got to be honest, the, the Mexican pizza, from the perspective of someone with no nostalgia for this dish, is just okay. It is completely fine. It's like 
the little circular tortilla, crispy tortilla thing from the Crunchwrap Supreme. And they put like beef and refried beans on it. And then they put another tortilla on it. And then they put like this salsa, which is borderline like tomato sauce salsa. And then they put like cheese and tomatoes on it. And it's like, ta-da, it's Mexican pizza. It's a cute concept. I appreciate the packaging and the way they present it and make it all fun. It comes in like a little a little pizza box thing, but it's a Taco Bell thing. It's cute. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on it from that perspective. I, I, I think it's a fun item to order and to eat. But I found it to be pretty meh. It's not bad by any means. It tasted fine. But, man, it's like refried beans and beef and just and just fucking shredded cheese with tomatoes. It's like, eh, dude, this is Taco Bell we're talking about, man. You can get the Crunchwrap Supreme. You can get the fucking chicken chalupas, which are god-tier food. They always have some fun new item. They had that fucking burrito with the white, crispy, hot fries, French steak whatever thing that I was raving about a few weeks ago like they have there's always something really inventive and really creative and really new to try to talk about and it's usually pretty damn good and then they have their mainstays like I just mentioned with the Crunchwrap Supreme or or the fucking Quesarito or the any of these things that are so damn good and so I guess my thing with the Mexican pizza is like yeah if Taco Bell's menu were just like tacos and shit like that you know it's like oh you can get tacos at Taco Bell then I would say yeah Mexican pizza is one of their better items but Considering just how stellar some of their other items are, I, I can't help but feel like this is either one I'm missing something because I don't have this built-in nostalgia for the item, so I can't understand what other people are are excited about here, or two I just had a bad experience because I went to the worst Taco Bell and they didn't know what they were doing and everything kind of went wrong, or three it's just that it's a good item, but it's 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 the the elements that comprise this item are are rather uninspired and, and just tame compared to some of the more inventive items that end up do winning, like the fucking naked chicken chalupa and stuff like that. Like that, that's cool, man. That stuff's yummy. But Mexican pizza, I'm glad it's back for those who miss it and love it. I know people are really excited to have it back. And so I'm happy for those people. I hope it's here to stay. And uh, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. If you, in, in fact, if you, if you're a Taco Bell fan, if you're a Taco Bell connoisseur and you've never had a Mexican pizza, I think it's totally worth trying once. Just to say you've had it, you're not going to regret it. You're not going to spit it out and say, oh, that's gross. It's good. It's fine. But, you know, the fucking Crunchwrap Supreme, those loaded grillers, baby. I mean, come on. But that's what I've been eating this week, guys. Thank you for enduring with that. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what I've been playing this week. And, guys, I actually, surprise, surprise, you know, as I've been saying the past three weeks, I just, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in one of those moods where it's like I just haven't been in a huge video game mood. I have plenty of other things distracting me. Uh, a lot's been going on with my job that's been keeping me plenty busy, plenty of just energy just completely drained and run out by the end of every day. And uh, I was spending my weekends and, you know, just spending time with some other hobbies. I spent a lot of time cleaning the apartment this week. So busy guy, busy guy. I got cats to pet. I got fucking toilet bowls to scrub. There's things going on. But I did make time for one new game that I played for about three hours last night and have got to say I'm very very glad I played this game and very excited to talk to you about it and very excited to play more of it and that game is Evil Dead uh, which came out what like last Friday or something like that it came out a few days ago but guys Evil Dead is great I'm really excited to talk to you about this now when this game was first announced I was instantly like oh I hope this is like the, the the spooky horror licensed game that I finally want to play because if those who listen to the show a long time might know, I've said many, many times before, I love Halloween, love goofy, spooky shit, love the festivities and the theme of it. I love haunted houses, love horror video games generally. I really hate horror movies, but 
the one exception for me has always been Evil Dead. I don't know what it is about it. I think it's just because my brother was a huge fan of it growing up, and I was just uh, I was just exposed to it a lot. But I have a real love and soft spot for Evil Dead. Maybe it's the campiness of it and just the over-the-top goofiness or my undying love for Sam Raimi, director Sam Raimi, because, of course, he made my favorite movies as a child, the Spider-Man trilogy, the one and only correct Spider-Man trilogy. I don't know. I, I was really hoping this game would be good, but I had very tempered expectations because I, for one, am not a Dead by Daylight fan. But Evil Dead, I got to say, I'm very, very relieved and happy to relay to you that I think it's a, I think it's a very good game. Um, now, this game is 100% a very budgety kind of multiplayer centric game. There's a reason why it's 40 bucks multiplayer only all these things, but none of that is to its detriment. In fact, I would say the only real issue with the game is that it's definitely got some early launch era uh, bugs that definitely need to be taken care of. Uh, and my brother and I played extensively last night and ran to a handful of bugs that never really broke the experience or made it not fun, but definitely yeah, de definitely got in the way of what we were trying to do. And so, you know, things like, uh, one of us died and then the other one glitched out of the map and it, the game wouldn't register them as dead but also wouldn't let them play and just all this kind of stupid shit. I gotta say, Evil Dead is so good. So let me try to quickly, because I feel like there's just so much confusion about what this game is because it looks like Dead by Daylight but it's got some Battle Royale elements to it and it almost kind of markets itself like it might be even a single player game. So let me, let me just kind of real quick give you an idea of what this game is. So you pick a character from any of the Evil Dead game, movies, one, two, three, or the the remake one they did, or the TV show. There's a bunch of different characters. They all have slightly different attributes and skills and stats, but it's more or less the same shit. And um, the the main mode is like it's a four v one isometric multiplayer game. And generally, that's a huge turnoff to me unless it's like OG Left 4 Dead. But this game this game does it right. If you're like me and you generally just want to play as the one of the four humans and stay away from playing as the demon, very easy to do that. And it doesn't feel like it's so overpowered on one side or the other that the game's never fun, kind of like it was when with the game Evolve, if you guys remember that game from like 2015. Um, so I, I really like this game a lot. It doesn't have the stupid suspense drive you crazy that uh, Dead by Daylight has, where it's like you're in this small room, you have this one specific objective, it's hard as fuck, uh, the, the, the monster's always just trying to make everything a fucking bitch for you to, to get through, it's not, not a good time. I don't have that issue with Evil Dead at all, I'm really happy to say. You know, you spawn in with your team, and it's a pretty big map, and it has a lot of Battle Royale elements to kind of actually complement the game. You would think this is a little, like, uh, not cash-grabby, but just kind of, like, cashing in on, on industry trends, but it doesn't come off that way. It actually feels very good for the game. You, you get dropped in this big map with your team. You're supposed to scavenge around for items, weapons, things that you can fight with and defend yourself with, different items and potions and things like that to heal yourself up with. There's common, rare ultra rare kind of items things like that but it's very basic and streamlined so it's more about the gameplay less about the constant loot grind which i'm glad about and uh you got to find all the pages to the book and then you got to find the dagger so you can do the ritual at the altar and then the fucking demons come in. I, I forget i might i haven't seen evil den so long i forget the names of all the things and everything the necronomicon and all that shit whatever but it's got like this progressive phased kind of combat thing. So it's like you're scavenging and then you're collecting the pages then you're collecting the dagger, then you're putting everything together, then you're killing the spirits, then you're trying to all this different shit. And in between that, there's a lot of like horde based wave based combat. And so, yeah, you can also play as the demon if you want. And I haven't played as the demon because I have really no interest to do so. Uh, but that's a whole different thing where you control armies and send them after the guys. And you can, like, possess inanimate objects like, like fucking cars and stuff. Or you can possess trees and spook people and take 
take advantage of their fear level and try and manipulate them and fuck with them. So there's a lot of cool shit you can do as the demon, but I, I find it so fun to just ignore that because I don't like that aspect of 4v1 games um, and just to play as the survivors, the humans. And it's a really fun, casual... That's the thing is it's casual. I feel like anyone can pick it up and have a good time. It's, it's challenging enough that you definitely need to work together in order to succeed, but not so challenging that it's like, fuck, you'll never win a game or you'll never do well unless you're like an A A tier team or something like that. It's very casual, very pick up and play. The, the the game mode sounds a lot more convoluted than it actually is. And I'm just really enjoying this game. It's I was a little intimidated by it when I first picked it up. I was really worried that I would hate it like I hated Dead by Daylight. But no, I don't I don't forty dollars well spent. I don't regret it at all. I think everything is, it comes to you really fast. It's very easy to just pick up and learn what the game's trying to get you to do. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really enamored with this game. My, my only gripe is, you know, it was supposed to re- release, I think, last fall or something, um, but it got delayed. And I, I just, we're here in May and it's about to be summer and I'm playing this game and I can't help but think, like, this would have been such a perfect Halloween time game, obviously. But I don't know, considering how big of a letdown Back for Blood was for me and the fact that I just haven't been able to have that Left 4 Dead kind of replacement game in a long time. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this game is nearly as good as like Left 4 Dead 1 or 2. It's not. But this is the first kind of like zombie fighting, horror-related, team-oriented kind of multiplayer-centric game that I played in a long time where I'm like, I can see myself sticking with this as like kind of a oh friends want to play a multiplayer game or like oh it's halloween season let's play a spooky game it's it's like one of those games where i could see myself keeping this on the hard drive booting it up every halloween season or occasionally when there's a multiplayer session happening and it's something you could easily just ease into and have a casual fun time a little bit of teamwork uh a little bit of focus but not like super sweaty or anything and that's really refreshing especially when you're coming off of a couple months of playing a lot of Halo Infinite where you're tired of sweating your ass off every time you want to play a game. And, uh, I, dude, I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. Definitely need some bug fixes. Definitely need some patches. But this game is is fun as hell. It, it feels good. It plays well. And it's, it's, it's goofy. It's campy. It's $40. Although, you know what I will say? Actually, let me take back what I just said a little bit. Goofy and campy. No, it's not. My, my brother Kronky actually made a really good point when we were playing it last night where he said, you know, this is a really good game. And I really love the Evil Dead IP, but uh, this game doesn't feel like it is an Evil Dead game. It feels like a really good horror multiplayer game with the Evil Dead IP stapled onto it. There's nothing about the gameplay or anything that you're doing that necessarily feels like, oh, this is such a, a love letter to the Evil Dead franchise. Or like, oh man, everything about this just makes so much sense in the Evil Dead universe. And I, I kind of agree. It does... It feels like another take on like a Friday the 13th or Predator Hunting Ground or uh, fucking Dead by Daylight or one of those kinds of games, right? It's another variant of one of those types of games, but this time with an Evil Dead skin on it. And um, man, I, I would like a more like single player story based love letter type Evil Dead game. And I think there's a lot of fair criticism in that. But the first and most important thing with this game is that it is a fun multiplayer experience and this game completely succeeds in that. So I'm willing to kind of overlook it for the most part just because it is a budgety, multiplayer-centric kind of game. But yes, I think that is a pretty fair criticism. Good observation on Kronky's part. But guys, if you are looking at this game and you're you're a little hesitant on it, I think this game is a, is a good buy. But also, you're probably going to be able to get it for a decent deal probably closer to the Halloween season and also might end up in Game Pass one day. So I don't know. You could always just wait on it. I don't... I, I don't 
I don't feel any remorse or regret spending $40 on it personally, and I definitely look forward to playing more of it this weekend. So there's that. Uh, but that's really all I've been playing. Of course, I've been playing some Halo Infinite. I don't have anything to say on that, and I really haven't spent too much time with anything else this week because, again, scrubbing toilets, petting kitties. What do you want from me? Okay? But, guys, that's it for all I've been playing this week. And with that out of the way, it's time to jump into the news. All right, guys, so we got some juicy, fun news to talk about, but there's a stipulation. The problem is the first story and the biggest story of the week. You might be a little tired of hearing about it at this point because this news literally broke 30 minutes before last week's episode of the podcast went live. I literally would have delayed the podcast last week a couple hours just to record over and get some additional information on this into last week's show. But unfortunately, I I, I upload the show the night before because the, the next morning when the show goes live, I'm already at work and I don't have the ability to do that. So whatever it is, what it is, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But this news, is, uh, by the time you're hearing it, is, about, is a week old. But um, this is when Xbox On is getting around to it because... We are, we're not the latest, but we are the greatest Xbox podcast, so there you go. All right, well, maybe I, maybe I can add something sexy to say to it. I doubt it, but here we go. VGC and everyone reports, because Bethesda announced it themselves. Bethesda has officially delayed the release date for both Starfield and Redfall from this year to the year 2023, which is next year. In a statement published last Thursday, the Xbox One publisher said that they needed more time to develop both games, saying, quote, We've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams at Arcane Austin, who are making Redfall, and Bethesda Game Studios, who are making Starfield, have incredible ambitions for both games, and they want to ensure that they receive the best, most polished versions of them as possible, that players receive the best versions possible. Quote, we want to thank everyone for their excitement for Redfall and Starfield. That energy is a huge part of what in- inspires us every day to- and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. We can't wait to share the first deep dive into gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield field soon end quote now of course both games are likely to be featured during microsoft's e3 style bethesda xbox game showcase on june 12th in just a few weeks here so it's highly likely we'll see gameplay of both games despite the fact that they won't be coming this year now starfield appeared during uh last year's xbox bethesda showcase uh, marking the first time the game had been showed since it was announced in 2018 the event was used to announce the now delayed release date of november 11th for the game on series x s and pc game director todd howard the man the legend the myth said in november that bethesda could be expected to offer the next major starfield revealed this summer so what do you know i mean there's no denying it we know the fucking logo teases starfield we know they're talking about Starfield at the showcase. Now, announced back last summer, June of 2021, Redfall is an open-world co-op FPS also coming exclusively to Xbox Series X and S and PC, previously scheduled for release in 2022. Redfall can be played either solo or co-op with up to four users. It sees players taking on legions of vampires that have taken over a once quaint island town of Redfall. Now, that's the story, but let's read this because Phil Spencer had some comments on the delays that I also want to touch on. So following the news of the delay, Phil Spencer acknowledged that fans are eager for the, for more first-party content while reiterating the importance of giving studios the time they need to create quality products. He said, quote, These decisions are hard on teams making our games and for our fans. He said, While I fully support giving teams time to release these great games when they are ready, we hear the feedback. Delivering quality and consistency is expected. We will continue to work on those on better meeting those expectations. It's unclear how recent the decision for to delay these games was made, but Spencer had earlier in last week uh, visited both teams at Bethesda. Okay, we'll get to Phil Spencer's comments in a little bit because whatever. First thing is, you know, having just talked about 
Evil Dead. I really hope Redfall doesn't end up becoming one of those games where I'm like, ah, it was supposed to come out close to Halloween in 2021, and it would have been perfect for that season. But it ended up coming out in March of 2023, and and, and it's just not a very fun spring game. But no, all, all joking aside, what can be said that hasn't already been said? I, I want to focus on this because I think this is the most important thing. We have a culture in gaming these days that is announce a game, tease it, hype people. Wait a year, tease it again, whatever. Throw a fucking release window on it. Who gives a shit? The next year, tease it again. Maybe this year show gameplay for the first time. Throw another release date on it. Who fucking cares? The next year, delay the game. Show up at another event, show off some more of the game, put a new fucking release date on it. Get three weeks removed from that release date, delay it by another month. Just fucking, why not? Just four more weeks just to really piss them off. Uh, and then, you know, release the game, and then, oh, guess what? It turns out that game that they've been hyping and delaying consistently for four years, uh, it's a good game, but it's just a fucking video game. It's not the second coming of Christ. And I, I'm really tired of this because, l- let me let me preface with this real quick. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying games shouldn't be delayed. We need push. We need to push these games out. In fact, anyone who's ever listened to Xbox on knows quite well where I stand on this. That of course, delay a game as many times as you fucking need to make it great. Don't fucking cyberpunk a game. No one gives a shit about a broken game. I don't want to play a broken game. There are too many good games that aren't broken out there that I have not played for me to want your broken game. And don't fucking spit in the face of the hardworking developers who made the game by pushing it out the door prematurely because that's so incredibly disrespectful to the hard labor that these people put into making these projects. So never release an unfinished game. Delay away as many times as you need to to get a game ready. That's not what I'm griping about. What I'm griping about is the way we fucking know this cycle works, the way it intentionally works, the way the industry knows what's going to happen, yet they cannot help themselves but continually repeat this cycle. The problem is not that Starfield has been delayed from 2022 to 2023. That's fine. We'll just get a better Starfield next year when it comes out. The problem is that Bethesda had no fucking business announcing Starfield in 2018 when they did. No one needed to know about it. In fact, if Bethesda wanted to know how to do it properly, they could have taken a page out of the book of Bethesda, who fucking revealed and released Fallout 4 within like five months of each other. The fucking announcement date to the release date. Beautiful. That's how you do it. And then they go ahead and just forget that lesson, throw it out the window, and in 2018, vastly prematurely announce fucking not only Starfield but the one that will never not be funny to me Elder Scrolls 6 a game that doesn't even exist right now they just fuck it we'll we'll announce it because whatever we want to announce something we're dumb I don't know and this is what I hate you know this game is not ready to be announced so don't announce it I understand it's E3 everyone's hyping new games every publisher and developer has something cool and exciting you want to sell games you want to keep your brand in the zeitgeist to gamers and in the spotlight of the moment of E3 fucking get it but don't announce stuff you're not ready to talk about. And then last year, same thing. It's like they, they they didn't show Starfield, but they talked about it during the event. And then they showed a little fucking cinematic tonal piece that's not a game. It's a little tonal piece that's not a fucking video game. So clearly they're not ready to show the game. But they still have the audacity to specifically date it 
And I get it. Again, it's marketing. 11, 11, 22. It's homage to Skyrim. You guys remember Skyrim? You love it. You bought it so many times. That's how much you loved it. I get it's cool. I get you want to have that cool homage and you want to be able to repeat that thing again. Where it's like, remember 11, 11, 11 with Skyrim? Well, now we're going to do 11, 11, 22. 10 years later, Starfield, Skyrim, the parody. It's so beautiful. It's fun. I get it. It's cool. It would have been really cool if, you know, Years after Starfield was released, we learned internally from, you know, from some interview or something that's like, yeah, originally with Starfield, we wanted to hit a release date of 11-11-22 to pay homage to Skyrim. Unfortunately, we were never able to hit that date, but that was a fun idea we always hoped we'd be able to do. That's a cool way to learn about that. But don't fucking say 11-11-22 knowing full well you don't know if you can make this game come out by that time. And I'm telling you, this isn't like, no, 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 they were really confident they could get it out by 11, 11, 22. It just, it just, you know, things happen. It slipped. No, don't, don't give me that shit. We know that's not how this works. I have never worked a day in my life in the games industry, and I have full confidence telling you that's not how this works. And in fact, I can even back that up because so much, so much reporting, like Jason Schreier, all these guys who do the reporting of the video games have been talking ad nauseum recently about how developers at, at, at Bethesda have been weary about hitting that release date and so listen i'm glad these games got got delayed i'm glad we don't we're not about to run into another cyberpunk 2077 i'm glad that these games are probably going to be so much better off because of the delay and it's going to help the developers to breathe a little easier and to have the necessary time and resources to get this project done that's great but why do we have to keep repeating this history and really i guess at this point and this and don't get me wrong the onus falls on the publisher. This is on Bethesda. In fact, I'll even give Xbox somewhat of a passing, uh, a little bit of a pass on this one because these games were announced, or Starfield in particular, was announced before Xbox bought Bethesda. And Starfield was mostly developed with Bethesda not being an Xbox-related publisher or developer. So in a lot of ways, this isn't even on Xbox, although you could say Redfall is on Xbox because that was announced during a time when Xbox owned them. I don't know. Well, I do know it was announced during that time. I'm saying I don't know as an I don't know, you know, where the, where the blame lies. But unfortunately, I'm not saying this is the fault of the gamers or the players, but I am saying the responsibility, unfortunately, falls on gamers to fix this problem because what people need to do at this point is a game gets announced, say, hey, that game sounds interesting. That game looks cool. I hope it's a good game. I'm not going to sit here and tweet about it and change my fucking Twitter banner to this game. And I, I say this, my Twitter banner, banner is literally Sonic Frontiers, which isn't even out yet. Um, so hypocrite. But, you know, the people who fucking make their Twitter icon, the logo of this game that's not out for another two years and just hype it up and YouTube videos about it and development updates and your whole brand is built on like this game that's coming out maybe in two years. Who knows? And it's like what we need to do as consumers is just stop feeding into the hype. Stop pre-ordering the games. Stop hyping it up. Just be like, hey, they announced this game called Starfield. It's probably just Elder Scrolls in space. Sounds cool. I'll look forward to it whenever they're ready to actually talk about it. Fuck off. Don't give it the attention it needs. Otherwise, you continue to encourage these publishers to do this over and over again. And so that's where I am with this is that I'm not surprised at all Starfield got delayed. In fact, if anything, I'm I'm kicking myself that I just haven't been more vocal on the podcast about how it's like, yeah, no no shit Starfield's getting delayed. You know what I else you know what else I think is probably not making it this year? Probably Hogwarts Legacy. You know what else has a chance of getting delayed again? Probably Batman uh, Arkham Knights or whatever the fucking game's called. That game I, of the 3 I just named, I think that game has the highest chance of coming out this year, but possible even that gets delayed even if it's only like a month delay or whatever this is just so commonplace in the industry at this point that 
it is it has become the norm. And so I I don't know. I I honestly when this news broke, I didn't follow too much of like how fans were responding to it and how gamers were responding to it because in my head I'm like Starfield got delayed. My initial instinct is like, yeah, well of course it got delayed. It's only been dated one time because I'm so used to the cycle that in my head I'm like 11 11 22. Okay, that's the first time they put a date on this game. All right, well, that means we got about one or two more delays before we get the actual release date. And that's where I am with games. It's like, okay, game's coming out 11, 11, 22. Cool, that's the least at number one. So it means at earliest it's coming out in March. Latest it's probably coming out next November. Okay, like that's kind of where my head goes. And so this sucks, right? Of, of course it sucks. And we know that the reason why this work, why this continues to happen is because they want you to pre-order these games. And they have the numbers to show that it works. People probably pre-ordered Starfield like crazy when it was announced, even though it wasn't even a game in 2018. Because hype. Because marketing. And people probably st- pre-ordered Starfield like crazy last summer when we got a tonal piece and a release date that they knew they weren't going to hit. Because marketing. And it's at some point, man, we just... Uh, Unfortunately, if we want to see this change, we have to be the ones to change, you know, our tune about it. We have to just stop talking about it all the time and stop pre-ordering these games and and feeding into the hype, you know? Next time someone, you know, next time Fable gets announced and it's clearly years and years off from being developed, just respond with like, hell yeah, I love Fable. I'm so glad it's coming out. We'll we'll talk about it when we see it, you know? It's like that's almost what we need to do at this point to kind kind of correct these publishers and these developers and be like, no. Stop prematurely announcing shit because it's annoying. And so let's let's pull on Phil Spencer's comment. Of course, Phil Spencer says exactly what he needs to say. He says exactly the thing gamers want to hear. I think it's perfectly said. It's it's succinct. I could learn from Phil, and um, and it's 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 poignant. He he says, listen, delivering quality and consistency is expected, and we will continue to do to work better to meet those those sorry those expectations. That's the sentence I want to focus on more than him saying I support teams getting the release dates, blah blah blah, getting the games ready for the feedback because that's that's shit we've heard a thousand times. Of course that's what they say, but this in a way to me kind of sounds like Phil Spencer acknowledging like, listen, I of course we need to delay the game because we need the game to be released in proper condition, but it's also Phil saying this is what we're not used to seeing a lot. And that's why I think this quote's interesting is it's Phil acknowledging, like, listen, I understand that most of you guys are pretty reasonable and understanding of delays because you know, the game shouldn't release until it's ready. But I also am sensitive to the fact that you guys as an audience, as gamers get frustrated when it's like, we, we show you the roadmap of what's coming as far as first party content. And then when, when, when things get delayed or moved and then we get huge gaps in the release schedule, that's, that's, that's frustrating because there's no consistency with what to expect and when to expect it. But we also need to hit that quality mark. And so it's that balancing act of consistency and quality. And it's it's just not there with Xbox. It hasn't been there in so long. We've seen this throughout the Xbox One generation, in fact. And, and, and in fact, the more I think about, you know, using the power of hindsight, we're able to go, man, how much does it suck? How much does it absolutely suck that Starfield is now delayed out of 2022 Halo Infinite desperately needed more time in the oven before it came out. And Forza Horizon 5 came out last November and was a really fucking good game. It was content complete. It was polished. It was excellent. People loved it. And, you know, I understand. I've, I've said even on this show, you, you can't have your big holiday release beat Forza. It's a little, a little too niche for it to be like your game. But in a way, it's like, man, what they need to do was just release Forza Horizon 5 last fall and then push Halo to release this summer, and then push Starfield 
to early 2023. And that way you would have spread out those three AAA games in a way that's like, boom, every six months you got something, you know, every half year or so you got something. But no, instead they pushed Halo and Forza out neck to neck. And now we have this year long gap of nothing. And Redfall is another one where it's like, you know, I'm talking all about Starfield. Let's talk about Redfall. Redfall is a game I'm very dubious of because I, I want to like it. But again, we haven't seen the game. In Starfield, of course, we haven't seen the game either, but it's Starfield's easy because you know it's like modern Fallout and Skyrim in space. You know, we know that's what it's going to be when we see gameplay footage of it in a few weeks. But Redfall, we don't know what Redfall is. We've never seen it in action. And so that's a game where I'm like, dude, the, the guy who just told you about how much he likes Evil Dead, the guy who really loves Left 4 Dead, um, that, that guy has a lot of enthusiasm and interest for Redfall and wants to see where it's going. But also, I know that typically I don't like games made by Arcane. I've I, I wanted to. I just Their games never work for me. So I'm like, oh, it sounds like an interesting game, but oh, I don't know. They never make anything that really works for me. Like, is this going to be an interesting game? And boom, it's delayed. And I'm like, well, well yeah. I mean, you guys said it was going to come out this summer, and we haven't even seen what it looks like. So no shit Redfall is getting delayed. You know, like, fuck, man. But again, it's just that thing of like... I'm not surprised, you know, if this were, I don't know, what's what's an example, dude, you know, if it were 2010 and we were all waiting, it's like, ah, dude, it's it's May 2010 and I'm waiting for Halo, Halo Reach, it comes out in September, I'm fucking ready, boys, it's September time, gonna play the Halo game, we're gonna see how the, the planet got glassed and all that shit, and then Microsoft comes out at E3 in June that year and says, guys, Halo Reach, Here's a gameplay update on it, but guys, we have to delay it to uh, next February, February 2011. You know, we would have been like, that would have been like, what? You know, because that's a, at that time, gameplay de- game delays like that for like big anticipated games with a solid date on them, that wasn't common. That would have been like, shit. Damn, Halo Reach just got delayed half a year. Like, what the fuck, man? That's crazy. But in the year 2022... If you told me uh, Halo Infinite's getting another delay or Starfield's getting delayed, I'm like, well, yeah, of course. We've only it's only been dated five times, of course. You have to date a game at least seven or ten times before before it can come out, of course. You know, and and, and there's always you know there's the, the the big delay, the second medium sized delay, and then there's always that little punt. I feel like Sony games in particular do this a lot. It's like they 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 announce a game, they delay it a year, they delay it six months, and then they delay it like three or four weeks. I love I love that little one where they're just like yeah these three or four weeks that's that's what we need <laughs> and, and listen I'm not a game developer I, I don't I don't know how it works I'm sure those three or four weeks mean all the world to the developers and they make all the difference in the game but like God it's just don't fucking put a date on it if you're not ready you know what I mean and I understand game development is more it's more complex than ever before and there's more that goes into it than ever before I respect that so if we had if it were common for games to get delayed like a month or two here or there I'd be like I get that because you know things come up things happen. Game, game development's tricky. But the fact that it's like, oh yeah, we gotta delay this game like a year. It's like, well, dude, like with Halo Infinite, when it was supposed to come out in 2020. And again, I'm not trying to shit on Halo Infinite, but like, let's just be honest. Halo Infinite was originally promised in 2020. Guys, it's it's the middle of 2022 and we're all talking about how that game has a stunning lack of content. What the fuck were they going to release in 2020? So when they inevitably delayed that game a full year to 2021, it's like you think to yourself, it's like, yeah, so you never were going to, you, you never had a proper game to put out in 2020. You just lied. And that's how I feel with Starfield. It's like, yeah, you, dude, you haven't shown the game and you've been talking about it for like six, like four years. 
and it's supposed to come out in like five or five months or so. It's like, yeah, you never had a game, dude. You you were never going to hit that date. And I guess that's where the frustration is. But and and, and maybe frustration is the wrong word because I'm not I'm not frustrated. I'm not disappointed that Starfield and Redfall are now coming out at a later date. In fact, I'm so far behind in my backlog that Starfield and Redfall can be delayed another five years, and I'll be fine. I have a million games I need to play. That's a, that's a huge breather for me, and I'm sure a lot of you feel that way as well. But it's frustrating to know that as a consumer, I'm just constantly being lied to. You're just saying shit. You just like I wouldn't even be surprised if sometimes these games are announced like this, like someone on stage, like like before a game gets announced on like an E3 stage or something. There's like two executives or show presenters behind the scenes who are like, ah, I don't know, what, pick a date. It's like ah, November 14th. It's like okay, you pick a date. It's like ah, March 3rd. And like okay, rock paper scissors, whoever wins gets to pick that date. And they're like ah, fuck it, March 3rd one. It's like okay, okay. And then they get on stage like yeah, we're happy to announce a uh, fucking Tony Stark's. Uh, wood woodworking adventures is coming out March third. Fuck you. I don't know. Maybe. And then everyone's like, Oh yeah, I can't wait to do woodwork as Tony Stark in VR. And and then it gets delayed to by three years. And you're just like, Yeah, you were never gonna you were never gonna make a fucking wood carving of a chipmunk as Tony Stark in VR on March third, twenty twenty two. It was never going to happen. You got lied to. And that's that's where we are today, man. It's just I don't know, man. Like I, I I'm sure. Listen again. I don't I don't. I don't really listen to other Xbox podcasts. I don't know what they've been saying on the other shows. But, like, what else? I can't imagine what else that anyone's saying, right? Except that, like, is anybody surprised these games got delayed? And I don't, I'm sorry if my tone sounds like, again, I, I'm, Starfield is a game I'm 100% going to play. Redfall is 100% a game I'm going to try out. I hope I love it. I really hope I do. But, like, I am not even remotely disappointed that these games are not coming out this year. I'm just, uh, I'm just like, yeah, well, I mean, man, it's, I wouldn't even be surprised if their next date gets pushed back at this point. Now, the other aspect to this, and we'll just, we'll just make this point quick because it's, it's obvious and I'm sure everyone's thought about it. What does that mean for this year? This year, Xbox has pretty much nothing. The slate is wide open. And I think the saving grace to that, though, is that Nintendo has nothing coming out this year. Sony has nothing coming out this year. Sony's, Sony, actually, speaking of publishers just kind of lying to your fucking face about release dates... Sony's been talking about this this made-up God of War 2 game that's just, like, it's not, it's probably not coming out this year. Like, I, I know they showed, to Sony's credit, at least they showed gameplay uh, of that game at least once before, you know? So that, that game we know is at least in development. Uh, but I don't, I don't even think that game's coming out this year. And and keep in mind, when they, when Sony first teased, what's it called? God of War Ragnarok, right? When they first teased that game, it was in the summer of 2020, and they lied to their audience and said, oh, yeah, that will be out in 2021. Like, fucking hell, dude. No. It, no. They they showed a fucking logo that said God of War. And they're like, yeah, it'll be out in 2021. Middle fingers to the audience, whatever. And then last year it didn't come out. And it's like, shocker, man. <laughs> when they delayed it last year, like, zero people in the entire existence of humanity were like, oh, man, what a bummer. Because we we're all like, yeah. Yeah, you guys, you guys couldn't even show us a picture of Kratos or a piece of con. You, you couldn't even have the courtesy that EA has to show you a fucking uh, computer with some concept art in the background. You, you just showed us a splash logo and then delayed the game a year. So I, I don't know, man. It th- that that's the one thing that I guess obviously it's disappointing that Xbox doesn't have anything big coming out this year, anything from the first party that's big this year. So that's disappointing, but. From a competitive, if we're trying to look at it from like a market perspective, the good thing is that no no one has anything coming out this year. And, and let's be honest about it, because it's not all just a product of 
modern game development and um, and in marketing lies and shit like that. COVID had a huge impact on the games industry a couple of years ago. And we know, we, we talked about this all throughout 2020, right? That that so many games, we're going to hit a point probably around 2022, 23, where so many games are just going to be kind of stuck in the pipeline because there was a time where all these games were in active development and then everyone had to stop, break up, quarantine, reset up from home, start working from home, figure out how do you run a studio from home. All this shit changed. For some publishers and studios, it worked better than for others, you know. So a lot has affected development in recent years. That's like, listen, I expect a lot of games to be gunked up right now in their development um, timeline. So I'm, I'm sensitive to that and I understand that. But again, it's like all the more reason why we know we were fucking lied to last summer when they were like, oh, yeah, 11, 11, 22, fuck you, probably, maybe. It's like, because that just, that was never going to happen, man. So, I mean, with that said, that leaves the three big games this year. Really, and I, I thought about this repeatedly. I, I must be missing something. But the big games we know for sure that are coming out this year, I, there's three of them. There's Arkham Knights, which I'm pretty, I'm like 75% sure that game will come out this this October, like they said. I think there's like a quarter, like a 25% chance it'll get delayed. There's Hogwarts Legacy, which I'm 50-50 on. I think that game... It's either going to hit its date or it's not. It's, it's, it, I'm half and half on that game, squarely. Um, so Hogwarts Legacy, which, you know, both of those games are games I'm actually looking forward to trying, so that's cool. And then the third game um, that's definitely coming this year, that's going to be basically the biggest game of the fall because PlayStation and Xbox don't have shit, is uh, Modern Warfare 2. It, 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 which is so funny because everyone's, like, so down on Call of Duty right now, but, like, we're about to get a Call of Duty game that's an homage to, like, most people's favorite Call of Duty game, and it's going to be made by the one Call of Duty developer that people don't hate, and it has a lot of development time under its belt, and it's going to be supported for two years instead of one, so it's going to have long legs to carry it. As long as they don't fuck up the launch of Modern Warfare 2, as, as long as it's at least as successful as Modern Warfare 2019's release was, dude, Activision and Call of Duty and are, are on track to have the entire fall to themselves, dude. And you think about it, it's like if you are any mid-tier or any other kind of publisher or developer who can try to squeeze your game out this October, this November, dude, you owe it to yourself to try because like, fuck, dude, Starfield's out of the way. Like, God of War is probably going to be out of the way. I, I'm pretty confident that there's a decent chance Harry Potter won't even be there. So it's like, I don't know, man, if you this is a good fall season for some underdog to swoop in and be like, hey, fuck it, buy us this Christmas because what else are you going to play, you know? But yeah, that's really it, dude. It's, it's Batman, it's Harry Potter, and it's Call of Duty. That's it. I mean, lucky for players like me, I think all, all three of those games are games I want to play and I'm looking forward to. And like I said, you could delay all these games indefinitely and I'd be fine because my, every time I turn on my Xbox, it's like, please delete something from the hard drive. I need storage. And I'm just like, ah, but what about all these, this two and a half terabytes of games I've been meaning to get to for 10 years, you know? So whatever. There's, there's always something really amazing to play, especially with Game Pass and with Games with Gold and with our ever-growing backlogs and libraries. There's always something excellent to be played, but everything's delayed. Nothing's coming out this year, and I'm, I'm not even upset about it. I just, uh, I'm just tired of publishers just getting on stage and lying to our fucking faces so that we'll go to GameStop and put $5 down on Starfield and maybe even pre-order the Prima Guide or whatever the fuck they try to sell. I don't know. I haven't been to GameStop in so long. I don't know how they try to sell, you know? Maybe they try to sell you a Funko Pop with it. I don't know. All right. So that's our big story this week, guys. Let's jump into our other stories of which, you know, I, I think we got a pretty solid news week. It's just interesting stuff to talk about, but nothing that I have as, I guess, as much as, I guess as much to say on as I, I did with that delay, although I didn't really expect... It's Xbox on, man. I'll always find a way to stretch it out. 
even if I don't mean to. VGC relays that the Dead Space remake's release date has been announced. Red alert, guys. If you, the red the red siren should be going off in your head right this second. Anyway, the sci-fi horror game will be released on Xbox Series X and S and PC on January 27th, 2022. No, it won't. Just just telling you guys right now. No, it won't. January 27th, 2023. So at the earliest, like April 2023. Mark my words. In a statement, Felipe Ducharme, senior... Pro- I don't know, dude. Just name yourself John Doe because my white ass can only pronounce that. My, my American white ass can only pronounce... Whatever. Uh, said in a statement, senior producer of the Dead Space game said, "Development is, developing this remake has been a lot of fun for us at Motive, and as we are true fans of the franchise, and I want to treat it with the respect that it deserves, it's been equally exciting to see players' reactions as we're taking them on this development journey with us. Ducharme also said that the game is making great progress on the road to hitting Alpha, which they're happy to announce the game will be launching in January of next year. So it's, it's on the road to hitting Alpha, and it will be out in seven months. Okay. Sure it will. Okay, guys. Very funny. Um, listen, I think this game looks really good. I'm, I'm really pleased with what we've seen so far. I, I've never played the, the Dead Space games. Speaking of my backlog of excellent games that I could just jump into at any point in time. You know, it's like I've never played Dead Space. I hear great things about all of them, especially the first two. And I've never played. And now this new Dead Space remake also looks excellent. And I mean, I guess I, I really don't have much to say about this other than this game will not be out on January 27th. Please believe me. If I'm wrong about it, I will mail you a unopened, possibly lightly used Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. But they did show off more gameplay and stuff of it. They showed a lot of graphical improvements of the game because as a reminder, during the development process of the Dead Space remake, they've been showing like here's a development diary about like, and they do them in streams. So it's pretty cool the way they've done it. They're like, here's a development diary all about audio. Here's about like mission or level design and world building. And here's about like graphic fidelity and stuff like that. So they've really been trying to take players on the journey of like, here's the way we're respecting and paying homage to this franchise and trying our best to do it right. And that's a really cool way to do that. Especially when you know, you're working with a franchise that you didn't create that you inherited, but you know, fans have a real passion for it. And, you want to show a deep respect for it. I almost think that maybe it should have been the way they, they developed those new, those new star Wars movies. It's just like, okay, star Wars fans, here's what we think should happen in the movie. You let us know what to do. And then we put a lot, probably, I mean, obviously they developed star star Wars that way. We probably just would have gotten three fucking Disney movies where Luke Skywalker's jerking off because that's what star Wars fans apparently want. But I, I appreciate this approach and I think it's, I think it's cool. To just let your audience in, especially on like such a, this isn't like an indie game or anything. This is a big project. This is like, hey, we are a big developer funded by a massive publisher working on a a recreation of a really beloved AAA game. But we want to take you guys on the journey, the development journey and take your feedback into account and show you what we're doing along the way to make sure we get this right. I I think that's really cool. But uh, January 27th with a big fucking asterisk next to it. Uh, whatever. And then next up, this one, this one's got me a little excited. I, we haven't gotten to talk. This is an Xbox podcast and we haven't gotten to talk about Gears of War in so long. This makes me excited. You guys remember when Xbox was about Gears of War? Anyway, VGC reports that a Gears of War remaster collection may be in development at Microsoft. That's according to journalist Nick Baker of Xbox era. I think I'm, uh, anyway, uh, who in this week claim, sorry, who this past week claimed that a Master Chief Collection-styled game was in the works for Gears of War. He said, quote, 
a while back, I said there was another Microsoft franchise that's getting the Master Chief Collection uh, type treatment. I'm on the belief that this is coming out this year, Nick said on the podcast. He also said that everyone has guessed it before adding, if you go from November 2021 to November 22, and you look at Microsoft's big output, it could wind up being Halo Gears Forza, confirming the rumor collection that would be the Gears of War franchise. One source recently told VGC that the Coalition is in the early stages of developing a Gears of War title, whereas in Gears, the, uh, where, sorry, whether it's Gears 6 or spinoff title isn't clear. However, Gears 6 was listed as part of the NVIDIA GeForce Now database leak from last year, which so far has proven to be accurate in many cases. In fact, pretty much everything that's been on that list, that NVIDIA leak from last year, has come to fruition. Um, so it's it's pretty likely that it's happening. I mean, I, well, I should stop. No shit Gears of War 6 is happening. Gears 5 ends on a cliffhanger. It's obviously setting up a Gears 6, but... We know it's in a rather active development phase, is what I meant to say. Halo the Master Chief Collection is a collection of Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary, Halo 2 Anniversary 3 and 4, and was released on the Xbox One back in 2014. Now, Gears Ultimate Edition is a remaster version of the first Gears of War, launched on Xbox One in August of 2015. Gears of War Studio The Coalition's last game, Gears 5, was launched on Xbox and PC in 2019. The Coalition is also said to be working on a new IP, according to job listings posted last July. So, so I'm really curious to get our update from the coalition and no, I'm not asking for the coalition to just give us a splash logo of gear six and put a made up date on it. What I mean by that is I'm very curious to know what the plans are over at the coalition because I can't tell if it's that they've been quiet for a long time or if it's that gears of war or gears five launched at the very tail end of old Xbox and so much has happened since then. Think about it. Gears 5 launched in, it was September, it was September 5th. I don't know why I'm so good with dates. This is such a weird superpower to have. I haven't, I can't do anything except remember dates. Gears 5 launched on September 5th, 2019. And then immediately afterward, not immediately after it, but just short months afterwards, COVID happened, lockdowns, uh, fucking every game developer went bye-bye, goodbye, go home and make a game. Uh, Xbox Series X was announced just before that in December of 2019. And then in the fall of 2019, they bought Bethesda. And ever since then, Xbox has been a very different brand. It's been, let's get the Xbox Series X out the door. Let's see how the, how the pandemic has affected all of the games industry. Hey, we bought Bethesda. And more recently, hey, we bought Activision. And Here's Halo Infinite, and let's get Halo Infinite out the door, and Halo Infinite got, got delayed, and everyone's mad, and here's the game again. Now you like it, now you don't. Here's the fucking beta. And and the story for Xbox has just been so, so much happening in those short, not even three years. It hasn't even been three years since Gears 5 came out. So it's it's weird because I can't tell if we're, like, overdue for, my, for, for an update. Because remember, they released that Hive Busters single expansion or side campaign in 2020 when Series X came out. So they've put out something even more recently than Gears 5. But I can't tell if it's just that we're overdue for uh, an update from the Coalition or if it's just that so much has happened in the world of Xbox, so much big stuff has happened since then, that it feels like it's been an eternity. Because I can tell you this, Gears 5 came out in, in what feels very... Dis I mean, Gears 5 is the swan song of the Xbox One, let's be honest. Not only that, but it came out in a time that is like very distinctively like stake in the ground. Like, hey, this is the end of the Xbox One era. This era of game drought and Xbox has no games and Xbox needs more teams and Xbox One sucks and PS4 is awesome 
And because immediately after Gears 5, it was like Series X. Everyone was like, that thing's cool. You know? Immediately it was like, Game Pass is bigger than ever before. And everyone's like, now I care about this service. Immediately after that, it was like Halo Infinite. And the way the pandemic fucked everything up for gaming. So, so much has changed so fast since Gears uh, 5 that I want to know because they're apparently working on a Master Chief Collection type anthology for Gears of War, plus Gears 6, which is a given, plus a new IP. And and Coalition's a decent-sized team. They could be broken into a couple different teams, of course. In fact, we got Gears Tactics, which they co-developed that came out in 2020. I'm forgetting about that as well. But I want to know what the hell this new IP is because I guess there's just this expectation that like Coalition does Gears and Gears only. 343 does Halo and Halo only. If the Coalition's working on something that isn't Gears, I think that's incredibly interesting. Because that's a very, like, Sony studio approach to an Xbox team, you know, where Sony studios are kind of given the free reign to be like, hey, man, we get it. You guys used to make fucking Crash Bandicoot. Now you're making Jack and Daxter. Okay, now you're making Uncharted. Now you're making The Last of Us. That's what you do. Okay, you mature, you move on, new thing. I think it would be good to do that with the Coalition. I think if you can tie up Gears of War with a nice little bow on it after Gears 6 and then move on to something entirely different. Like, if we see... Like, imagine if we saw... The Coalition do like kind of what like um, what's that Sony developer uh, that makes Horizon Zero Dawn? Guerrilla Games. What if they did like that? You know, Guerrilla went from making first person kill zone games to a third person open world Horizon games. You know, is the Coalition capable of doing something like that? Just like completely getting outside of third person action shooters and being like, fuck it, we want to make a Western style open world RPG. Hopefully, that's not what they're making because that's what every game is now. But, you know, like, what if they wanted to make a game like that? It's like, what would that even... That's so interesting to just... Just to think, like, I know the Coalition's a rather young team, and before that, they were Red Tusk, and before that, uh, a lot of those guys worked at Epic on Gears of War. But it's like, so much of this team in its various facets and forms that's existed in over the years has been so focused on Gears of War that it's like, what would it even look like if you gave that team the opportunity to just be like, Go make something new. Whatever you want. Because we know Xbox is really lenient. They give you free reign. They give you a blank check. They give you time. They just say, fuck off and make the game you want to play. That's modern Xbox. So I'm so curious to see, like, what would that be from the Coalition? And then let's 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 talk about the main thing the story is m- mentioning, which is this Gears of War Master Chief Collection. A part of me is like, oh, we don't really need that. Like, there's enough shit, you know? Like, Gears of War is a big multiplayer game, but it's not, like, Halo big when it comes to multiplayer. Do we need this? But... I would argue a Master Chief Collection style thing for Gears of War is actually pretty warranted. And and I'll, I'll just say, it really quick, it's because of this. Because, like, hey, listen, the, the importance of the Halo Master Chief Collection is it preserves Halo and it's, and it's, uh, and it's uh, multiplayer. You know, Xbox OG is over. You don't go back to that. Xbox 360 is over. You don't go back to that. But starting with Xbox One and into Series X and everything, we're now into the game ecosystem thing where it's like, yeah, I mean, like, any Xbox One game you bought is going to be playable in perpetuity on any Xbox platform, whether that's cloud streaming, a stick, a console, PC, whatever. You know, you just buy the game there, you play it wherever. It's always tied to your account. It's always accessible. It's like a Steam library. So that puts games like Gears of War 1 and 2 and 3 at severe risk for, you know, having the servers shut down at some point and just being unplayable, even though they are backwards compatible, just kind of making them obscure and fall into that kind of that kind of hole of like old multiplayer games that we reminisce on but don't have access to anymore. And so I think doing a Master Chief Collection style thing for for Gears of War, which is a super important franchise for Xbox's history, is a cool idea because this allows you the opportunity to get all the Gears of War games on one modernized platform 
so that its multiplayer suite from one, two, and three, and so on can live on in perpetuity. I think that's a, a really important thing to do to preserve games. Because think about it, like Halo One and Two, or Halo Two did get its multiplayer servers shut down before Master Chief Collection ever even came out. There was a time where you could not play Halo Two online anymore, and so that's what's important more than anything about Master Chief Collection is it it preserves Halo so that younger generations who are just getting into Xbox and Halo for the first time can go back and easily access Combat Evolved and Halo Two and and experience them in a preserved and modernized fashion so that it feels as fresh to them as it did to us when we all played it for the first time in like 2004. Like that's the importance of that, you know? And so I think it, it is a good idea to do that with Gears of War, especially considering that Gears of War multiplayer has always been considered pretty consistently strong. It's not like Halo where it's like people like love the first three games and then they're mixed on reach and then they hated four and then they liked five's multiplayer, but they still shit on it, but they didn't like the campaign. Gears of War doesn't have that. From my understanding, people pretty unanimously love like every single Gears of War's multiplayer. You know, I, I know two is regarded as like the two and three are regarded as like the king when it comes to um the horde mode but in general the multiplayer output from every gears of war game is generally considered to be pretty great so i, I think this is a good idea to preserve this franchise that is a quintessential xbox experience um i just don't know that you need the coalition to necessarily do this i feel like this is a, a project you could outsource and maybe it is in fact Master Chief Collection has a lot of work that was outsourced and things like that. I would not be surprised to learn that this game is real and it's like being co-developed between Coalition and maybe one or two other teams. Um, but I hope it's real and I think this is cool. I think this is really cool to give, you know, it, 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 it might seem redundant in a world where, yes, you know, Xbox is so good at backwards compatible that you can just play an Xbox 360 game and now on your Series X it randomly just has HDR and runs at 60 FPS and because it's it's beautiful and that's how Xbox works and it's one of the great features of, of, of the console. But I don't know, man. Like it, it, The Master Chief Collection has grown to be such a big celebration of Halo and I feel like Gears of War deserves that as well because, you know, it's 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 Xbox. It's, it's not as Xbox as Halo is, but it is, you know, Gears of War kind of is to Xbox 360 what Halo was to um, Xbox OG. The only difference is that I think the 360 obviously would have been successful with or without Gears of War, but it was like the first quintessential game on 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 the uh, Xbox 360. Although I guess you could argue that was also maybe Oblivion. I don't know. I'm hoping this one's real. I've seen a couple of people be like, ah, I don't know if we necessarily need that. I, I think this would be cool. Yeah, Coalition. I'm I'm really excited to see. Obviously, you're working on Gears 6, but what's that other IP? Please don't put a date on it until you're ready to really show it off and, and you're confident. All right, next up for our or for our next story, uh, VGC relays that Polish developer and publisher Teklin have announced they're working on a new open world fantasy action RPG. Quote, are you are you ready to begin a new thrilling journey in, with Techland? The Dying Light maker said on Tuesday, we are hiring for an unannounced AAA open world action RPG in fantasy in a fantasy setting. The company currently has almost 70 open positions across various disciplines, including animation, art design, development, and production. The team is responsible for new IP, including a number of former CD Projekt Red staff, including open world director uh, Bartosz Oshman, Cyberpunk 2077, Witcher 3 talent, uh, narrative director Carolina Statra from Witcher 2 and Witcher 3, narrative lead Arcadia's Borowick, from Witcher 2 and 3, and also working with the gamer creative director Mario Maltezo, uh, of Prince of Persia and Mad Max, and lead game designer David McClure from Deathloop, uh, 
and lead animator Kevin Quaid, uh, Quaid, Quaid uh, of Horizon Zero Dawn. Techland's most recent game, Dying Light 2, was released just this past February on console and PC and sold 5 million copies during its launch month. The company says that they were very happy uh, with what they've accomplished with the franchise so far, but the CEO of Techland, uh, Powett Marshwaka says, Moreover, our journey with Dying Light 2 Stay Human has only just begun as we plan to continue the game, blah, 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 five-year plan, exceeded content, blah, 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 post-launch stuff. At the same time, our ambition is to improve a brand with new IP that is vastly different from what we have been doing for the past several years. We want to create a full next-gen experience, a new fantasy epic set in a sprawling open world fueled by skills and experiences we have gained over the, as a team over the years, infused with new ideas, passion, and creativity. While we can't share more details about the project now, it's truly inve- we're truly invested and looking forward to showing it to gamers when the time is right. I love this. So this is different. Not to contradict myself, this is different. This is like a lot of what we've seen in in the past year or so where game development talent is getting gobbled up left and right and it is hard to really get these teams fully staffed up right now. So this is not an announcement to be like, hey, fans of Techland, we're trying to uh, prematurely announce a game. This is them saying, hey, developers, we need talent on this new project. Here's what we're working on. Please consider applying to a job. We need to get this game in full development stack, uh, under full development ASAP, or you know, sooner rather than later at least. Um, so that's why we're getting an announcement here. This is not to be like, hey, fans, we know our new game just came out three months ago, but we're already announcing the next game because fuck, why not? You know, that's not what this is. So I do want to be clear about that just because obviously it would be hypocritical to what we were talking about in the first story. In fact, they even say that. They literally say, uh, we cannot wait to share more details, but we look forward to talking about it with gamers when the time is right. They're literally addressing developers, not players, in this announcement more than anything. But uh, hey, the news is out there and we get to talk about it. So this is interesting because Techland's a weird developer. When they were with Deep Silver doing um, Dead Island, dude, that game, I don't care what anyone says. I always meet people who want to defend it. Stop defending Dead Island. Dead Island sucks. Dead Island sucks so bad. The Definitive Edition, after all the patches, everything. The game just sucks. Dead Island is not a good game. Very bad game. It's like shitty Far Cry, cringe writing, very misleading marketing. I don't like that game. But Techland, like, beyond redeemed themselves when they released Dying Light. I played the first Dying Light around the time it came out. That game is so phenomenal. It is everything uh, that um, Dead Island should have been and more. The, the story is cool. The characters are cool. It's not cringy. The parkour is excellent. The whole, like, like zombies come out at night. You got, it's way more dangerous, risk-reward kind of thing with going out at night and doing shit. So awesome. I really, really love Dying Light, the first one. I have not played the second one yet. I will. I plan on getting to it sometime this year. Probably waiting for a price drop. But um, I assume I'll like Dying Light 2 as well quite a bit. The thing I'm hung up on and confused about is I think the secret sauce to Dying Light more than anything is its parkour because Dying Light to me, while yes, it's very, it has a lot of Far Cry in its spirit. It has a lot of um, uh, Dead Island and, you know, zombie game kind of DNA going for it. I don't think the zombies or the open world uh, first person RPG thing is what makes it so special. I think the thing, well, kind of. I think the thing that makes Dying Light so special is the, the the parkour mechanics that they fucking nailed. They feel so good. And I feel like abandoning that is kind of like abandoning the the, the 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 secret sauce of what Techland have become. And so I don't I don't mean to pigeonhole them and say, "Hey, you got to make the same thing forever." You know, 
make medieval parkour or future parkour or zombie parkour, but make sure it's parkour. I don't I don't mean to pigeonhole them and tell them what to do, but the idea of them doing, you know, just based on this vague announcement, a AAA open world action RPG in a fantasy setting. My mind immediately goes uh, Fable, uh, Skyrim, Witcher, Dragon Age, just on and on and on. It's like we have so many of these horizon we have an endless amount of open world action rpg fantasy games and that's very vague you know we live in a world where (laughs) today with gaming where like genres are just as vague at defining games as they were back in the nes days when a game would just be like oh it's an action game or it's a sports game like those are your games right um except now they're they're just as broad and and they fail to to nail down exactly what the project is, but with even more words. It's like AAA open world action RPG. Okay, well, Zelda Breath of the Wild is a AAA open world action RPG, and so is Monster Hunter World. Both of those games are AAA open world and action RPGs set in a fantasy setting, and they are nothing like each other. I would not say Monster Hunter World and Zelda Breath of the Wild are the same game. In fact, you can say Monster Hunter World and uh, fucking Final Fantasy XV are the same, you know? But Final Fantasy XV and Monster Hunter World are both AAA open-world action RPG fantasy games. Nothing like each other. So I understand the inherent nature of of that statement. It's just so vague that it's like, well, don't go scrutinizing their words and assuming what the game is. But I don't know why. To me, that just sounds like they're going to do a more grounded approach at, like, an open-world action RPG game with a fantasy setting. And, like, if you're going to do that, please, for the love of God, like, don't do, like, I don't know, maybe, like, do first-person Assassin's Creed or something, you know, when Assassin's Creed was about parkour. Make sure that parkour is there, because I think that's what's special about Techland, and I, I don't want to lose it. In fact, the the reason I love Techland's uh, Dying Light so much is because it reminds me of one of my favorite first-person games that will never get the justice it deserves, which is, um, which is Mirror's Edge. The first Mirror's Edge, I think, is such a... Dude, that's... Mirror's Edge is one of my favorite Xbox 360 games. It is so criminally underrated. The art style, the graphics still hold up to this day. The gameplay is so unique. Such a fun game. Faith is such a cool character with a cool character design. That game had so much going for it. And I understand for a lot of people, they're like, ah, the mechanics just... You know, the parkour is fun, but I feel like the game's kind of missing some kind of... I don't know. I feel like that game is a little bit ahead of its time. Like, if it, if it had released now, people would have appreciated it a lot more. And then when they finally gave Mirror's Edge a second chance, they fucked it up. <laughs> they, they made a, like, a really underdone, kind of milquetoast, uh, open-world, kind of Far Cry-style game, but with the, the parkour of Mirror's Edge. And, you know, Mirror's Edge, what was it called? Mirror's Edge Catalyst. I enjoyed it. I played it through to completion. I thought it was fun. But the story was bad. The acting was bad. The, the everything they were doing with that game was not not at all good. Um, it was just fun to play. Whereas the first Mirror's Edge was like an artistic experience. It was beautiful. It was a great game, top to bottom. And um, in a lot of ways, I feel like Dying Light is the full synthesis of what uh, of what Mirror's Edge was supposed to be because it marries that really awesome parkour mechanics with genuinely good storytelling with a genuinely awesome open world that's alive with detail and things to say and do and and don't get me wrong i love the art style and the setting of mirror's edge but i feel like neither of those games ever really said anything um whereas dying light you know it's it's a game with some compelling characters and story that actually makes points and does things and i feel like leaning into that is their bread and butter um i i do worry about 
what it is they would do next. I, I would hope this isn't their way of just saying like, hey, we're a, uh, a Polish developer, much like CD Projekt Red. They are really successful in doing these like Witcher style games. You know, we make open world games. Nah, we want to make a Witcher type game. Oh, look, we even hired some people who used to work at CD Projekt Red. I guess we're just another Polish team who's going to go make a, a Witcher style game. And that's I, again, I think I'm 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 oversimplifying what what we're seeing here, and we're we're not being given enough information to make any some any serious kind of analysis here. But man, I hope I hope they continue to try and do what they did with Dying Light, which is maybe not so much the parkour in particular, but try to make two very unlike things work very well together. Because the the first person parkour in a Far Cry style game was zombies. Sounds like too much. That sounds like a market researched, you know, game that or like a yeah, like a like a focus tested game that's gonna be lame as shit, but damn is dying like good. And I hope they can have that kind of magic again with whatever they try to do in a fantasy setting open world action game, you know? But that's it for that story. We got two more stories, uh, really just one in a, in a wrap-up. But uh, let's talk about Remini. Remini, our friends from Finland, of course. Still a little upset with them for the Tencent money that's come into their into their, um, into their their studio. But nonetheless, they, they, they make some of the greatest games out there. Remedy Entertainment have provided updates on various game projects that it currently has in development. So this is a nice little overview. They had a, uh, the Finnish studio had a financial results. Uh, so the CEO, Taro Vertala, discussed the project, uh, the projects they're working on updates during their financial um, call. And uh, this is interesting. Kind of puts into perspective just how much shit Remedy has under development right now. So... This is, quote, this is the CEO talking. He's, he goes, Vertala, he says, Our partner Smilegate, Korean Smilegate, guys behind Crossfire X, uh, together with Microsoft, launched Crossfire X on Xbox back in February. A dedicated team at Remedy has continued to support both Crossfire HD and Crossfire X. So put a pin in that because I want to talk about that a little bit as a Crossfire fan. Uh, Alan Wake 2 is in full production stage. A lot of work remains, but the game is still uh, starting to take more complete form in many areas. As communicated earlier, Alan Wake 2 will be released in 2023. I'm, I'm sure they think that, but uh, I don't know about that. Codename Vanguard, a free-to-play co-op game that is going to be uh, co-published with Tencent. Boo! Has made good progress since the previous quarter. Uh, the project is in the proof-of-concept stage. We have continued to strengthen the team. Vanguard is Vanguard and our other projects will be benefiting from our operations in Sweden. Uh, Codename Condor, a spin-off game of Control, continues in the proof of concept stage. Codename Heron, a big control, a bigger control game, probably just a, a proper sequel to Control, is in the concept stage and is prototype as prototyping continues. Additionally, together with the Northern Light with the North Light Technology team, the focus has been on developing the require technology and tools that will serve a number of Remedy games in the future. Remedy announced last month that it also is developing a remake of Max Payne and Max Payne 2. The games will be sold together as a single package and, and will be released on Xbox Series X and S and PC. Both games, which are currently in the concept development stage, will use Remedy's Northlight game engine, which is which was used for Quantum Break and Control, two excellent games that you should absolutely play. Okay, let's let's. Okay, so we read the story. Let me break these down again and again. So we know Tencent. So so Remedy has a, a deal with Tencent. Unfortunately, I really wish that weren't the case, but they do. And they're working on a free-to-play co-op game, codenamed Vanguard. We've known about that for a little while. 
They also are still working with Smilegate, which is news. We'll get to that in a second. That's that's new news. I didn't know that. Um, they have a deal for three games, I believe it is, with Epic for the Epic Game Store and for consoles. Um, for a three-game deal, which we assume Alan Wake 2 is one of them, and maybe even the spinoff to Control, I don't know. And now they have partnered with 2K to get the rights back to Max Payne to do Max Payne 1 and 2 remake. And as far as Control goes, they're working on both a spinoff and a proper sequel to Control. So of these games, we first knew that they were doing a sequel to... I think this is the correct order. We knew they were going to do a sequel and a spinoff to Control first. They announced that shortly after Control released. So that we knew about, but they're saying it's an early technical... It's in an early phase of like testing... Uh, prototypes and things like that and concepts. So it sounds like both of these control games, the spinoff and the sequel, are in far earlier production than we thought. You would think those would be the games furthest along because they announced so prematurely that, hey, we're going to do more of control. Okay. Then they announced Crossfire X with Smilegate. That was announced not too long after that. The interesting thing here is that Smilegate, who make the Crossfire franchise are responsible for the multiplayer aspect of Crossfire X. Remedy was just contracted to do the campaign side. Well, the campaigns of Crossfire X are already done. You know, now it's just a multiplayer game that needs post-launch content. So I'm confused as to why Remedy is saying that they're still, they still have a dedicated team working on this. I don't know if they're saying, because remember, even though I love Crossfire X and I'll defend it, the Crossfire X is a rough game. It's in a rough state. It has a lot of patching it needs. It needs a lot more content. It's in a very Halo Infinite stage of like desperately needing more content. And yeah, the game is rough all around in, in many ways. So I can't tell if this is their way of saying, yeah, we have a team that's still working with Smilegate on Crossfire because they're supporting like fixing the campaign or adding patches or whatever. Or if they're saying they're working with Smilegate on new content. And I'm inclined to believe it's the latter because it also mentions that they're still working on Crossfire HD. Now, for those who don't know what Crossfire HD is, Crossfire HD is a free-to-play Crossfire game. It's the basically, it's like it, Crossfire HD is to Crossfire what um, what Counter-Strike, Counter-Strike Global Offense is to Counter-Strike. It's like the sequel to the big free-to-play Crossfire game. The problem is it's not available in the U.S. It's available in China and Korea and probably some other markets I don't remember. Um, probably Russia or something, honestly. That game, I, I didn't know uh, Remedy had any hand in that game. My, t- my understanding was that that was Smilegate's project completely, and that Remedy had only ever worked on Crossfire X, which is basically the Crossfire game that's only on Xbox, but for those who are astute Crossfire fans like myself, you'll know that Crossfire X, while it is an original Crossfire game meant, made just for Xbox, it borrows heavily asset-wise and in some of the maps and things like that from Crossfire HD, so... Crossfire X is a weird hodgepodge of a game. It's campaign elements from Remedy, campaign elements from Smilegate, built on two different engines, plus a multiplayer suite that pulls from classic Crossfire and modern Crossfire. It pulls from Crossfire HD, and then it has original content built just for the game. Crossfire X is a Frankenstein of a game. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's interesting to know Remedy is still involved with that in some in some form. And, and the way that, they, that that reads and what it shows is that I, I think they're still... I think they're working on the game as well from a multiplayer aspect in some way, or maybe, if we're lucky, knock on fucking wood, maybe they're working on additional campaign content for Crossfire X, which I hope, because the two short but sweet campaigns that Crossfire comes with, and listen, I'll defend it, fuck all the people who are telling you that Crossfire X sucks, guys. You're being lied to through your teeth. Say what you will about the multiplayer, but both campaigns from Crossfire X, they're two-hour campaigns, 
are so much fun. Yes, they're rough around the edges. Yes, they're buggy. They're glitchy. They need some TLC, 100%. But they are fun, goofy, lighthearted, G.I. Joe-esque little campaigns that are two hours long and entertaining and action-packed and exciting from start to finish. I cannot recommend enough that you play these Crossfire X campaigns. They are both so good. I'm telling you. So if they're working on an additional campaign for that, that's very exciting. Okay, so that's Crossfire. And then, I don't remember which one we learned first. It's either Alan Wake 2 or Codename Vanguard. I think it was Alan Wake 2. They announced that at the Game Awards last year. So my understanding, my assumption was, they're finishing up work on Crossfire, and then they're off that. Their main focus right now is a sequel to Control. And then they announced Alan Wake 2 at the Game Awards, and I was like, oh, well, that's probably like the big project they're working on in tandem with Control 2, but Control 2 will probably come out first. But from what we're being told here, Alan Wake 2 is supposed to be out next year, and Control Spinoff and Control 2 are both in like a testing concepts prototyping phase. So it looks like Alan Wake 2 is probably their next big release. So that's interesting. Um, and then on top of that, we got this code name or uh, no, no, no. On top of that, we got Vanguard, which is the one I think we learned about earlier this year, which is the partnership with Tencent. Tencent threw some money at them. I really wish they hadn't, but they did, unfortunately. And now they're working on some kind of um, some free-to-play co-op game. It, I can't help but think this is going to be like Remedy's version of Valorant or something like that, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what that game is yet, but that's in some form of f- some some development phase. Here's the thing is, Remedy has... And I, and I don't know if there's still one of the Epic games that, that that's in that deal that we don't know about. And then they're working on Max Payne, which are both in very early, con- very early development stages. So... I am going to reiterate when it comes to Remedy. What the hell is going on with these guys? They have announced so many projects at once. And I find it impossible to believe that they're going to be hitting these games with like in a steady clip with a steady release schedule. Like, boom, this year we got this game. Then this year we got this game. We're still supporting this game. This year we got this game. Because Remedy is a, a medium-sized developer. And they have a dedicated team that's working on their, their in-house Northlight engine. That's right. They're a medium-sized developer that is independently owned, not owned by a publisher at all. Independently owned. They own and build their own engine and maintain their own engine. Plus, they have a small team dedicated to continuing to support Crossfire. Plus, they have another multiplayer team working on a game with Tencent. Plus, they're working on two games in the Control series. um, Two Mad Max, or, or it's Mad Max. Yeah, two Max Payne remakes plus an Alan Wake sequel, this doesn't add up, dude. I mean, sure, it's possible that Remedy staffed up a lot in the past few years. I'm sure they have, or I'm sure they've tried, but dude, how are they doing? Like, where are all these games coming from? I'm so confused in all this. And on top of that, we remember when when Control first came out, what was that? Was that 2019? That was 2019 or 2018? I think it was 2019. When Control first came out, the whole story behind that was how they're like, hey, we actually managed to get this game like completely developed. I think it was like for under 50 million euro or something like that, which is like a staggeringly good price considering what a AAA high quality game control is and feels like and the time frame in which they were able to develop and get that game out. Because remember, they made that after Quantum Break, which means they developed it between 2016 and 2019. Three years. In three years, they made, in three years, in less than 50 million euro, they made control which is insanely impressive as an independent team they worked with 505 on publishing that game of course but they they're not owned by 505 they're an independent team 
insanely impressive what they did there. But it's like, okay, well, you guys did, you know, Max Payne, Max Payne 2, they did Alan Wake, they did... But now they're like, fuck it, full steam ahead, we're working on 75 games at once, they got deals with Epic, they got deals with Tencent, they got deals with 2K, they got deals with 505, they got deals with Smilegate. It's like, what are they doing, dude? And so, I, I don't know, man, like, I am excited and fearful for the future of Remedy, because I, I seriously mean this when I say this, Remedy is one of my all-time favorite developers, easily top 10 favorite game developers. I have so much respect and adoration for for Remedy, not even just because I, I necessarily adore all their games, but because I love the tone they take with their games. I think Sam Lake's a seriously interesting character. Uh, he, he the, the guy, but he's a seriously interesting guy, and what he injects into his writing is so interesting. I think they make some of the most interesting games in the world right now. I think their games are fun. I think their games are unique. They have a they have an authentic style. They feel very... Um, it, it's weird. They, they feel very Finnish. They feel very, very European, like in a way that's so authentically Remedy. I just really admire the hell out of Remedy. And my big concern right now is that we're about to see this developer go batshit crazy and put themselves in a scenario the likes we haven't seen since since Platinum Games. And that's what worries me is Platinum Games is a good developer that's constantly put themselves in trouble by taking on too many projects, half-assing games and doing all this stupid shit to stay afloat and get the bills paid. And they're putting themselves in serious trouble with bad game after bad game after bad game. I do not want to see that be the case with Remedy. I know a lot of people really dislike Crossfire X, and we can argue all day about why that game is the way it is. Is Did Xbox push it out? Did Smilegate push it out unfinished? Was Remedy just not equipped to handle that game? What happened there, right? We can talk about that forever. But I, I genuinely think when you play Crossfire X's campaigns, if you are familiar with Remedy, you will play those campaigns and say, yes, I acknowledge where this game needs work. I acknowledge the bugs. I acknowledge how the aiming feels very PC-centric and that we need some more console feel to this game. You can acknowledge a bunch of flaws with the game. But if you are versed in Remedy, you will play these Crossfire campaigns and they will feel authentically like Remedy experiences, especially that first one where it's like the guy's narrating, it's going through all like the the flashbacks and like the teleporting of like this scene and this scene, jump jump cutting scenes and like just the engine, the, that Northlight engine and just the flare, it just looks and feels so Remedy and it's a really cool game. I don't know, man. It's like I, I love seeing them be able to do this with Matt, with Max Payne and then with Alan Wake and then with Control and Quantum Break. And I want to see them continue to flex that creative muscle and make really compelling games like this. But when you're working on so many games, some of which are multiplayer games, which really aren't your bread and butter, which is fine. But like you're working on multiple multiplayer games when you're not a proven multiplayer developer and you're working on multiple single player games. And we don't know what your staff size has gotten to. And I just I'm starting to wonder, are they stretching themselves too thin? Are they in trouble? But that that's hey, that's where we are with Remedy. And I think the the, the, the order's a little out of whack because, if, again, if you had asked me, I would have said the next focus for them is probably a sequel to Control, but it looks like Alan Wake 2 is the main focus. Yeah. I think the only reason we know about the Max Payne 1 and 2 remake even being a thing is just because as part of the deal they made with 2K, it was to kind of like announce it and announce this partnership. It was more about the partnership than the game they're making um, and that's why we even know about it so early in development. But man, like, Remedy's got their plate full for a while. And I just really hope that they're able to, you know, to to handle the workload they have ahead of them and, and to deliver on these games. Because, dude, if they can continue to, I mean, there are not many independent developers left out there in the world, to be honest. And I, I worry about Remedy because it's like, dude, you know, Bungie... Bungie and Insomniac, I would consider the top three of independent developers that I had just relentless respect for. Bungie, Insomniac, and Remedy. 
And Remedy's the last of the three because Sony now owns Bungie and, and Sony now owns Insomniac. And dude, there have been so many times where it's like there was a rumor a while ago that Sony was going to buy Remedy. And then Microsoft had such a long and historyed kind of thing with Remedy. And I was like, dude, Microsoft, why? Why the fuck do we live in a world where you want fucking My- Activision? Like, go get Remedy, dude. They're awesome. Man, if anyone was going to eat them up, I-, I always wanted it to be Microsoft. Of course, I'd love for them to remain independent. It's just, I just don't know how how much longer it's going to be viable for them. And with Tencent starting to get involved, I, I worry that it- they might try to gobble them up. Um, they're European though, so maybe they'll favor Embracer Group. I don't know, man. <laughs> Who knows? But um, yeah, with Remedy, I, we got to continue to keep a close eye on these guys because I, I just, I just have my, I am excited for these guys. I'm, I'm happy for them. I hope we get an awesome remake of Mad Max One and Two. I hope Alan Wake fans are completely, uh, you know, vindicated in their, in their patience for this, this long-awaited sequel to Alan Wake. Um, I loved Control One. I think Control Two is probably gonna be more awesome. A more more of just an awesome game. Um, I love Crossfire X. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised and excited to see that they're still involved in that game, and I can't wait for the game to continue to get better and better as it slowly has been getting better since its launch. But man, I just I hope this doesn't put Remedy in a situation where they're stretched too thin, they start putting out lesser quality games, and then they get in financial trouble, and then they need to look to be bought out, or maybe they go under. And I, I, I don't want a situation where any of those things are even remotely potential or, or possible. Um, but man, with this many coals in the fire, working with this many different publishers and partners, I just we'll see. All right, guys, in our wrap up story for the week, Xbox Wire reports, we got some games coming and leaving Xbox Game Pass. So let's go through them uh, available today. We've got her story, which is now on PC. Jurassic World Evolution 2 is on cloud console and PC through Game Pass. Little Witch in the Woods is on game preview console and PC ID at Xbox game. Skate is coming to cloud through EA Play and Yumaragi Generation Special Edition is a cloud console and PC game, ID at Xbox, available day one with Game Pass. Uh, coming soon, those are the games that are out now that just came to Game Pass. Now, coming soon, we got Farming Simulator 22 coming out May, tw- May 19th for cloud console and PC. Vampire Survivors is coming to PC on May 19th. Um, Floppy Nights cloud console and PC, ID at Xbox game, May 24th, available day one with Game Pass. Hard Space Ship Breaker is coming to PC on May 24th. And then on May 26th, we got Sniper Elite 5, uh, console and PC. I've been trying to, I've been meaning to try a Sniper Elite game for so long. And then on May 27th, we got two more games, Cricket 22 on PC and Pac-Man Museum Plus on Cloud Console on PC. That's another one I want to try. All right. Now leaving Game Pass, we got a handful of games. On, at the end of May, on the 31st, we'll be leaving the following, losing the following games. That is... EA Sports NHL 20 on console, Farming Simulator 19 on Cloud Console and PC, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard on Cloud Console and PC, Spellforce 3 on uh, Soul Harvest on PC, Super Hot Mind Control Delete on Cloud Console and PC, Yes, Your Grace on Cloud Console and PC, and finally, Knockout City on console and PC through EA Play. Remember, EA Play is letting that game, letting that developer take the game and go independent with it so that's probably why but I'm, i think it's going to remain a free-to-play game i don't i think it's going free to play yeah we talked about that in the news not too long ago but guys that's it for all of our news this week now we jump into the important enough news stories important enough to make the podcast but not important enough to warn their own discussions of which we have a few guys vgc reports that bohemian interactive has announced arma 4 and it's releasing as a standalone precursor called arma reforger in early access Confirmed in a recent leak, the studio uh, ha- revealed via live stream this week that plans to for the future of tactical military shooter series uh, hadn't, which hadn't seen a new mainline entry since 2013's Arma 3. So it's been a while. 
I know there's a pretty big uh, community surrounding that game. Armor Reach Reforge is available now in Steam Early Access and on Game Pass Preview for Series X and S, priced at 30 bucks. so you can get in on it now. Uh, for the, the, the quote reads, Armor Reforge uh, marks the first foray into Armor franchise with an all-new Infusion engine, which is a standalone multiplayer sandbox and glimpse of things to come, according to the official FAQ. Next up, VGC reports that Codemasters Cheshire team has been integrated into fellow UK-based electronic art studio Criterion Games. Now, Criterion Games, who you might know, are the guys behind behind Need for more recent Need for Speed games. Uh, Cheshire Studio is the outfit behind Dirt Five, which is the former, which was formed in former Evolution Studios that was created by PlayStation. Those guys, those are the guys that made Drive Club, that PS4 launch game, and MotorStorm. Um, PlayStation shut them down after the failure of Drive Club or after the botched launch of Drive Club. Then they went on to form uh, Evol- they went on went on to form Cheshire and, and work with Codemasters and make dirt and all that. So basically they're just forming these teams together to continue to work on Need for Speed with Codemasters or or with this divi- this team from Codemasters and with Criterion. But they did announce that hey no no one's being fired. They're not they're consolidating but they're not they're, or they're they're moving to get they're merging but they're not you know firing anyone for redundancies and job roles or anything like that so should should be that no one loses their job that's good other codemaster team in Birmingham will continue to work on the Formula One franchise though VGC also reports that Ubisoft have provided an update on the release slate for upcoming premium titles speaking of games that may or may not come out of these uh at these dates. Ubisoft says in its full earning report this past week that Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, and Skull and Bones, Speak of the Devil, are both on track to release during uh, or before fiscal the end of fiscal year, uh, which ends on March 31st, 2023. So before, basically in the next in the next 10 months, they think they'll have Skull and Bones and Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora out. So between October 1st of this year and March 31st of next year. We'll see, man. I think, you know, getting Avatar out in that time frame is smart because the new Avatar movie is coming out this year. You probably want to have that synergy. That's It's been a while since we've had that kind of thing where it's like, oh, the game launches along with the movie. That'd be good for that game. And Skull and Bones, we'll see. I'll, I'll believe when I see it. VGC reports that the sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is... Uh, is apparently titled Star Wars Jedi Survivor, it's been claimed. Venture Beat reporter Jeff Grubb has made the claim during a premium giant bomb show, Grubb Snacks, uh, to confirm or, or relay that 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 tidbit, that sexy bit of news. VGC also reports that Fall Guys will be going free-to-play on June 21st when it comes to Xbox for the first time. The title also will be released on the Epic Game Store on the same date. And finally, VGC reports that Kerbal Space Program 2's release date has been delayed again. Oh, look. We opened the news talking about delays, and we're closing the news talking about delays. Publisher Private Division confirmed the delay this week, said in a quarterly earnings call on Monday that Private Division parent company Take-Two said the PC version of the game was re- will be released by March 31st, 2023, just like Ubisoft said, because why not? So PC, then t- then console within 12 months. S- the Space Sim suite sequel was uh, originally due to launch in 2020 before being pushed back a couple times, so there you go. But guys, that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Now, you might be thinking, Jesse, where are the comments? What happened to Xbox On? With all the news out of the way, I think now we wind down the podcast and end the show this week with your comments and questions and concerns and whatnot. So you know how it works. You go over to YouTube.com, you type in the Xbox On podcast, and uh, you click on the show. You look, you look at the latest episode of the podcast, and you leave a comment. You can say something nice like, Jesse... The new format really flows. I love it. It's really like straight to the meat and bones of the show. I think it's a lot makes the show a lot more approachable. And then we get that fun, juicy bit of comments at the end. I love it. Keep up the good work. Let's stick with it. Uh, continue to do your best. Or you can leave a mean comment. Say, Jesse, 
the only reason anyone listens to Xbox on is because you are an insane person and your commenters are also insane people. So watching insane people react while pretending to be Xbox fans is amusing. But you just trying to talk about Xbox news and provide analysis is weak. Because if we wanted to listen to a good Xbox podcast, we'd listen to Xbox Off, which is a great podcast about a guy who gets off talking about Xbox. Yes, you heard me right. He talks about the latest news in Xbox each and every week. And while he's doing so, he gets extremely aroused and continues to just ejaculate wildly. It's insane. It's loud. It's rambunctious. But it is the best Xbox commentary on the market. Jesse, please step aside. And I and I would be hurt, of course, because you know I try my best to make the show rousing. But if I hey, if I can't deliver, I appreciate at the very least your honesty. But thankfully, no one wrote in with that this week. We've got seven comments, and uh, they're all pretty respectful and tame, I might say, by Xbox on standards. Our first comment comes from my brother Cronky, who wants to touch on the Square Crystal Xbox sale thing that happened the other week, and says, "I just want to say I'm happy that Microsoft did not buy." the teams from Square Enix that Embracer bought. Too many franchises have been swallowed by Xbox and taken away from PlayStation. It's time it's way past time to just chill. There's needs to there needs to be a rule that when you that you can only buy small teams like Undead Labs or Double Fine. Yeah, and you can even argue that taking Double Fine <laughs> gets games away from PlayStation, but that yeah, that's beside the point. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're not you're not saying there needs to be like some government intervention or something that that makes a rule about this. But but I agree. There should be like a courtesy kind of approach because you know, I'll stand by it, man. I just I don't I don't care if this makes me seem like like a fake Xbox fan or something. But it's like guys, it's it's not exciting and it's not cool when Xbox is like, oh yeah, we need a team. So we went ahead and bought this already developer that makes Xbox games and we bought them and brought them in house and now PlayStation can't get their games and you can get their games in Game Pass and fuck Xbox Power of the Players. It's like, I'm saying it again, man. It's like, <laughs> Xbox is not gaining games. It Like, think about Activision. Activision is the perfect example. Call of Duty. Call of Duty would continue to go to Xbox whether Activision were owned by Microsoft or not. And thankfully, it's going to continue to go to PlayStation. We're not going to take that game away from PlayStation, thankfully. But like, what do you get from Xbox buying Activision, the team that just makes one fucking game, a publisher that just makes one fuck? You get Call of Duty for free through Game Pass every year. That's awesome. It's a it's a good perk. Don't get me wrong, especially for someone like me who buys a lot of Call of Duty games. It's a great perk. But like, you're not you're adding value to Game Pass. Don't get me wrong, and I understand that's the name of the game. But like, Xbox doesn't have more robust first party content now because they own Activision. I hope we make that clear. And I, I, how, do, how do we not make this point earlier in the year? I hope it's clear that, like, just because the the guys that make World of Warcraft and Diablo and Call of Duty, just because that's now owned by Xbox, doesn't give Xbox more exclusive first-party games. People complain for years that Xbox has no games because, yeah, Halo, Forza, Gears, but we need more than that. By just buying the guys that make Call of Duty... And putting that in Game Pass, yeah, you make Game Pass an even better value than it already was, but, like, Call of Duty was going to be on Xbox regardless, so, like, you're not really, you're not selling someone on Xbox over PlayStation by being like, oh, yeah, we got so many amazing first-party games, check out Call of Duty, you know? It's like, yeah, you're offering amazing financial incentive to be on Xbox, but, man, I don't mind paying a premium to have the better platform. And to me, it's like whoever's going to invest in having a lot of really high-quality, first-party exclusive content, to me, that's that's something worth paying for. So, like, yeah, sure, you spent almost $70 billion getting Activision. Woohoo! 
I don't have to pay for Call of Duty ever again. Like, okay, you still need more into you still need more exclusive games, Xbox. Buy, you know, spending a fucking country's worth of money on Call of Duty isn't going to fix that. So I agree. It's 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 annoying in in that's just one example. And I, and I get it. You know, Activision can yield exclusive games, you know, who knows? They can fucking revive Guitar Hero, make it Xbox exclusive, whatever the hell they want to do. Bring back Skylanders, please. I don't know. But I agree. It's it's not cool just seeing this whole like Oh, well, we bought this team, so fuck you, you can't have them. You know, it's like, oh, well, Sony bought Insomniac, and Sony bought Bungie now, and and, and a lot of these are in these gray areas of, like, Activision games will still be on PlayStation, uh, Bungie games will still be on Xbox, but, like, it's just so lame, man. And I know some of these purchases are about consolidating talent and acquiring development talent, and, and about, you know, for a large part of this, a lot of, I think, why Activision was purchased is because... Microsoft as a company is sitting on a massive war chest of money. And right now, with inflation the way it is, it is not a good time to be sitting on massive gobs of money. You're better off having assets than than you are having liquid money. So I I I, I get I get the argument and the analysis that many have presented, which is that a lot of the reason for buying Activision is because they, they need something to invest that money in. They can't have it just sitting you know, in reserves when inflation is getting so high because that's just losing them capital. So I, I get that and I respect that uh, that that interpretation and that point, which is entirely valid and probably highly um, uh, in, in, in uh, influential in this decision to buy Activision. But like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Buying Activision is pretty fucking lame, man. I'm just I'm, I'm just gonna be honest. Um, yeah, go go buy a, go garner a relationship with a team like with Undead Labs and then make a couple games together, and then acquire them. That's awesome. You're not taking anything away from PlayStation because Undead Labs never made PlayStation games. But you're creating and cultivating a relationship with this new team, and then you're helping them become part of the Xbox brand. That's awesome. But I guess uh, we're in the minority for thinking that. Apparently, you're just supposed to want your big corporation to buy all the other corporations. Mountain Dew, Mexican Pizza, and Halo Show. Headhunting Halo, my boy. Sorry if that clap was loud. Fuck your ears, I guess. Headhunting Halo, you know him, you love him, and if you don't, you're probably a fucking neo-Nazi. Says, Jesse, have you had Mountain Dew Purple Thunder? Man, actually sounds like this one's going to be good. Can't get my hands on it. How do you feel about Ubisoft's subscription plan? Mexican Pizza comes out next week at my local Taco Bell. Pretty stoked to try it. I'm level 48 in the Battle Pass on Halo. Going to done quick and bored. Now they need to hurry up with the next 90 days of the Battle Pass. Hopefully Season 3 starts that. Halo's show is so bad, man. The Master Chief cheeks more like it master cheeks instead of master chief all right head hunting halo another um another just fucking incomprehensible comment that i love and appreciate i don't know what mountain dew purple thunder is i i'm a little out of touch with mountain dew right now what is purple thunder oh here it is mountain dew purple thunder this is a real thing uh purple thunder was a flavor that was released at fountain circle k exclusive in april 2020 with 20 ounce bottles releasing in early may Shit, dude, I live literally right down the road from a, from a Circle K. I need to go in and see if they have this. Holy fuck. It is Mountain Dew with a blast of berry plum. That sounds terrible. I fucking hate plum, but I like berries. I gotta go try this, man. I'm gonna stop by, uh... Man, I'm gonna stop by Circle K after work tomorrow, and or maybe on my way to work, and see if I can find this. Thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll give it a try. And I already had Mexican pizza, so we talked about that at the top of the show. Uh, a lot of this is incomprehensible goo goo noises, but yes. Uh, I'm only on episode six of the Halo show, so I haven't gotten to the infamous episode everyone's talking about where they fucking make Master Chief have sex with an alien, but I too am starting to get a little like, okay, this show needs to stop. 
I, I like it. Like I said, I like it as its own independent thing, but it's starting to become less and less acceptable as a Halo thing. All right, Mr. Miggy says, speaking about Halo, Mr. Miggy says, Jesse, I got to say, the way you felt about the first five episodes of Halo, the TV series, is exactly how I felt. After watching the seventh episode, I'm not sure if I want to keep watching. In my opinion, it's like they're trying to make many characters unlikable. All that aside, it seems none of my ta- the many Taco Bells close by me will be closed due to infestation. Uh, you're welcome. Say hi to Lala for me. Thank you, Mr. Mig- Sorry, Mr. Maug. You guys are all changing names all over the place. Also, shout out to Mr. Maug because your uh, your your profile picture is that new 2022 Nissan Z. Oh boy, I want to get that Nissan. Z. I, I, I don't want to get it. I, there's no way I can afford it. I want to drive that Nissan Z. That thing looks really cool. Um, but yeah, I'm watching all the the YouTubers get to touch and look at it. It's fun. But yeah, dude, I I'm gonna see season through one season one through to the end. There's no doubt about it. But I don't blame you if you want to stop. It is it is just not. It's like going up and down, up and down. I thought the pilot was good. I think the the whole like magical um, side plot with with the girl and trying to like win over her people and shit. I think is such a fucking bad story. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. This girl's selfish and stupid and unlikable. And guess what? You're a fucking idiot if you think you're going to fill out, you fulfill your father's legacy and save the people of this planet. You are you are making things so much worse. You are endangering everyone around you, and you have no redeeming qualities. No one feels sympathy for you. No one feels any emotion towards you. Please just go away. Not good. And the Master Chief's like constantly like, yeah, I got armor, but also check out my butt cheeks, and now I'm going to bang this alien chick. And I'm just like, what, what, what is God, what is happening? Um, anyway. I'll talk about the potential of a co-host on Xbox One, uh, Xbox On. Fuck it, Sam Torres. Love you. It's been a while. Thank you. I miss the old Colin Moriarty, Greg Miller combo we used to were treated back to in the IGN years of their careers. Kind of funny stuff grew old, and I liked Sacred Symbols and Knockback for all the Moriarty, less Miller. Uh, you and Cronky ever think about kicking it live together forever for a single show? What's the worst thing that can happen? Hot Wheels track ownership battle gets dre- uh, dredged up from childhood. Great job. This podcast is my I'm too poor for a lonely think tank section session. So I'll just listen to Jesse call stuff bullshit. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that might be going over people's heads a little bit. if They're not familiar. But yes, dude. As I've mentioned on the show before, the one and only video game podcast I still listen to, Sacred Symbols, hosted by Colin Moriarty. Best video game podcast on the internet, hands down. But, uh, dude, yes. I, I often think back to the days of IGN when uh, Colin and Greg used to work there, and they hosted Podcast Beyond. Even though I think Sacred Symbols is pound for pound a better show than Beyond used to be, and than anything kind of funny ever did, I gotta be honest... I feel such a deep nostalgia for those years of my life where like I would just God, like my, the highlight of my life, honestly, dude, I, I gotta be honest with you just to get a little mushy, Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty hosting podcast beyond for IGN for all those years is the reason why I do po- uh, Xbox on to this day. Because like, dude, like I, that was, this is, this sounds kind of sad and pathetic. <laughs> I understand, but I don't mean for it to sound that way. Like I, th- I mean this in a very happy way. Uh, the the memories I have just like in high school and all that, just like in high school, I kept myself very busy. I was always working. I, I, I carried two jobs in high school. Just like the, the memories I have of just always commuting to and from work. I've just always had jobs that are far from home. 
and just always being in the car, always being on the train, always commuting to and from work, uh, driving to and from school, whatever, you know, just so many memories of this, like that podcast, like podcast beyond that, that was the highlight of my week, you know, cause my week was just like school work, school work, school work. And I had long commutes to get to school and to my jobs all throughout, you know, the early years of college and, and throughout high school and everything. And like, I have so much appreciation for those old Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller, um, podcast beyond episodes from IGN. Like I, you, you get so attached to the, to, to those, 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 those hosts that like, it feels like they're your best friends. Like, like it, it got to the point where it's like, I don't, I don't like my real life friends as much as I like my podcast hosts. And that's how it got for me. And that's, that's why I wanted to podcast is like, I, I fucking love this. Like I have never had a friend in real life. I, I like all my, I've never, well, you could cut that out. I've never had a friend in real life. No, I've never had a friend in real life who has appreciated gaming nearly to the level that like these kinds of podcasts uh, do where you're just like really nerdy about like the companies and the, in the industry and the money and the, and, and the shit that goes into it. You know, the, how the, how the cake is made, if you will, uh, of video games. And that's, that's always been the part of me. Like, I'll, I'll be honest in some ways that to me is more exciting with video games than actually playing video games themselves. And so that's why video game podcasts have always appealed to me so much. But like most of the friends I've ever had in my lifetime have been gamers, but like, it's never. It's always been like gamers. I like this game, video games, or if they're interested in like things outside video games itself, it's things like this Twitch streamer or this YouTuber or something like that. But I've just I, I've never been able to like meet a per- know a person in real life who has that much enthusiasm and interest in the video games industry um, on a granular level the way like like the old like IGN like even like the older version of podcast unlocked like fuck like especially when ryan mccaffrey was relatively new at ign like those days of of podcast unlocked that was dude such a fucking good podcast man not as good as beyond but a very very good podcast uh the old days of of, of uh ign game scoop you know hosted by damon hatfield i know he still hosts the show but that show's just not really good anymore i don't i don't know man I, maybe i outgrew it or the i just don't like the new hosts or whatever but Ah, I'm so nostalgic for those days. No, you're not going to get <laughs> now to stop reminiscing and to start answering your question. I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I've said it before. I'm not opposed to having a co-host. Cronky and I did an episode of the podcast together. It was a special thing we did uh, for the last episode of 2021. Actually, it was what we did at the end of December last year. It was fun. I'm glad we did it. And I would love to do that again with Cronky. And I'd love to do it again with one, with someone else. I, I love, I, I like to do a special occasion. Let's have someone on the show with me, but for logistics sake, just because like the way my life is with my job and my very limited free time and just time scheduling always being a mess for me, I would not be able to do Xbox on, on a consistent basis the way I do if I had to rely on a co-host. That's, that's really the, the, the bulk of it. It's like, if I had to rely on someone else to always be available at a specific time on a specific day without fail to do this podcast, rain or shine, this podcast would not get done every week the way it is and i it is very very important to me that podcast that this podcast uh uh, go up at the same time every week rain or shine like i say it well so that's that's why i really don't entertain the idea of a co-host although i i do think it's a lot of fun i also think the show would probably just be better so maybe i should have one but oh well drm let's talk about i I don't have much to say this mr mr way of the lao Definitely doing a lot more digging on this topic than I have. He says, hello, Mr. DeRosa. Hope you and your family are doing well this week. I wish all good things to the rest of the Xbox On family. Congrats on the online class. Thank you. I've been 
uh, slacking on it the past two days, but I, I enjoyed a lot of it last week. I know it's a challenge with the job. I had to drop one of my classes due to personal issues. I would not want to present myself as some uh, oh sorry to hear that uh, as some OG fan that's played the original Xbox with any of the old Halo games. However, I feel as though many people are forgetting the fact that the campaign was pretty great. I'm not a great I'm not a game developer, nor do I know anything about the business either. So I don't know uh, a lot about the timelines or anything like that. But I'm sure I have heard you say yes, the campaign was great as well. But I thought I would also implant a little positivity as well. Not that I'm saying you're not positive. As far as DRM is concerned with the Xbox issue, I feel that you have made a good point. Why does Xbox have to check DRM so frequently? Or is it even the case? I saw an article a few days ago that says there's a patent from Microsoft that is going to allow the Series X to be able to add digital copies of their games into the library once it's been verified that they have the physical game. Yes, I know what you're thinking. Where the hell are you going to put a disc on a Series S? Great job on the podcast and start pushing out more content, as this, as the YouTubers call it, uh, when you can, as it is higher a higher quality than most large Xbox podcasts. Take care and best wishes. Thank you, Waylow. As always, you always have really kind words to say, and I appreciate them very much. And hope you're doing well, and I'm sorry to hear about your class. I hope you're able to find a perfect balance in your life so that you can get all the things you want and need to get done, done appropriately. You're a good guy. Now, as for your question, uh, I don't know which Halo you're talking about. I don't know if you're talking about Combat Evolved or Halo Infinite. I don't know why I'm getting confused, but I've read over this comment two or three times, and I'm, I'm getting confused. I like every Halo campaign. Let me just make that clear. In fact, I love Halo campaigns. Uh, Halo Combat Evolved, great campaign. I think there's an overt nostalgia for it, and it's not as good as people say it is. I understand it's the first Halo, so it's special, but it's nowhere near the best Halo campaign. But it's a fantastic campaign. Very seminal, very important game. Halo 2, also great campaign. I also think it's mildly overrated. It's a very cool campaign. The story's very cool, but it's very fast, and there's not a whole lot that goes on, considering, like, you know, it, it happens in, like, a flash, the flash of an eye, uh, in the blink of an eye, rather. Um, Halo 3... The best Halo campaign. I fucking love Halo 3. That game's a masterpiece. I don't care what anyone says. And keep in mind, I think all these games are, like, way above excellent. Like, these uh, Halo games, to me, are so good. Uh, Halo Reach, phenomenal campaign. Halo ODST, another really excellent campaign. I think that game is so... I love how that game is such a... It's still a first-person shooter, but it's such a different game. It's so ambient. It's totally so different. It's so... It has, like, this melancholic... Um, tone to it that's just god so beautiful the jazz music everything about that game is so wonderful um halo 4 you know say what you will about the the multiplayer i think halo 4's campaign is fucking awesome it's a lot more linear than i would like it's a lot more um i feel like narrowly designed in terms of its level design but i love the art direction that they brought halo in with halo 4 um i love the story of halo 4 and i think the combat is great I love I love the Prometheans. I think they're fun to fight. And then Halo 5 only makes that even better with an even better campaign. I think Halo 5, pound for pound, in terms of level design, in terms of environmental variety, in terms of just moment-to-moment combat, I think Halo 5 is probably the most. Uh, Halo 5 and Halo 3, I would say, tied for like the, the best Halo campaign in terms of just pure gameplay. Now, from a story perspective... I actually like Halo 5 story, unlike a lot of Halo fans, but I do recognize two Halo fans 
uh, credit, Halo 5 is a deeply flawed story with plenty, plenty of missed opportunities, plenty of underdeveloped things. We know a little bit about the development, how that campaign went through, but uh, I, I still am able to look past that, acknowledge that and accept that, but also see through it to know that there was a lot of really great ideas and really great intentions behind Halo 5, and that paired with its excellent level design and gameplay uh, make Halo 5's campaign phenomenal. And then Halo Infinite. I think I think Halo Infinite has a fucking awesome campaign. It shouldn't work. It's so bare bones. There's no vari- environmental variety whatsoever. Um, it's it's just some of it is so redundant on paper, but it is so fucking fun. The story is so good. The writing is really good. You're so on the edge of your seat to constantly find oh, wait, what the fuck is happening. What happened here? Where's Atriox? There's no way he's dead. What's going on with Cortana? How is this tying to Halo Five? Where are we? You know, it's like it's so good. I, I love Halo Infinite's campaign. I could not put it down for a second. It, the Halo games are unlike anything else. When a new Halo game comes out, I am intoxicated by that campaign. I cannot do anything other than pour through it and just get through it and figure out what the fuck is going to happen because I, I love Halo. So I, I will say, despite my criticism of Halo Infinite's multiplayer, and I have plenty of criticism about Halo Infinite multiplayer, I think Halo Infinite has a phenomenal campaign, and that's even considering the fact that they upset me a little bit by betraying so much of what Halo 5 set up. And I and I will just say, I think every Halo game has an excellent campaign, even both Halo War games. I think Halo has just always had phenomenal campaigns. Um, so shout out to Halo. Shout out to being one of the best video game franchises of all time. Yes, Halo Infinite's multiplayer, though, is a hot mess in some very important ways. All right, let's round out with some quick comments. Cronky says, uh, in regards to the EA Sports FC comment from last last uh, week, he says, EA Sports FC, bro, what are you playing tonight? Play some EA Sports FC? Whoa, man, I also play that game. Nah, bro, that doesn't work. It's a bad name. I don't think the name alone matters as much uh, with t- this time. When we are all a bit younger, people are generally really dumb. They don't know that the 3DS with the new console... Oh, sorry. They didn't know that the 3DS was a new console or that the Wii U was a new console. Today, games like Witcher become mainstream, and shows like Game of Thrones uh, and shows like Game of Thrones. People are generally be- better educated on nerdy crap these days. I think most people will also know that EA Sports FC is truly FIFA. Yeah, I, th- I think you're exactly right. It, it, it it's not a great name at all, but um, I, I agree. I think I think people will quickly catch on. Oh, this is what FIFA became. And the word will get away because we we live in a world now where like it's not really possible to not know what happened. It's kind of the benefit and the downfall of the Internet is like everyone, whether you're like an older guy or like a little kid, like everyone knows the story, you know, um, I'm sorry. I don't know. It's like it's like I don't know. It's like when like a little behind the scenes tidbit about like a really popular movie gets out there. You know, it's like someone shares it on the internet, and then it's everyone shares it on the internet, and then everyone tries to act like they're a movie buff by being like, "Oh, did you know in this scene, the the director actually had the intention of this happening, but when so and so showed up to set that day, uh, they forgot their lines, and they accidentally did this, and and they just rolled with it, and that's why in this scene, uh, he ends up saying, uh, I fucked your mom,' and then slips and falls on a banana peel, is because it's a complete accident, but they just rolled with it, and that's what makes the scene such a masterpiece, and then." Everyone reads that on like fucking Reddit, and then everyone thinks they're like a fucking buff on this this movie that I'm I'm referencing that's not real apparently. <laughs> but I, I feel like that kind of energy is, or that that kind of happenstance, is so common with the internet these days, where it's like everyone knows everything that's meant to be known, like every little factoid or tidbit or every like behind the scenes story or fallout or anything like that. 
it gets it gets out word gets out there. Um, and so I think that's what will happen with this is everyone will just be like, oh yeah, I love FIFA. Yeah, did you hear that? And, and, and it's it, I love when ca- it's it's usually like when casuals learn about it that they they kind of over exaggerated too. They, they, it's never just as simple as like, oh yeah, 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 EA wanted to save money, so they dropped the FIFA name and renamed the game EA Sports FC, but it's basically just FIFA. No, there's always like the casual people that like learn the news but then lie about it and over exaggerate. They're like, "Yeah, I heard like the CEO of like uh, a FIFA and the CEO of like EA Games or like they're doing like a Jake Paul wrestling match or something and like they're really mad at each other and like uh, I think one of them like banged the other one's wife or something and so like now they don't talk anymore. Like they do not get along anymore and that's why FIFA is not allowed to be on the same box art as EA Games anymore. It's like whatever. That's more or less what happened. Close enough. Fuck it. So yeah, I, 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 <laughs> all stupidity aside, I, I think that worrying about the name is is pointless. I think the quality of the game has done all the legwork for the FIFA uh, game franchise for so long that whether it's called FIFA or EA Sports FC or buy this fucking soccer game, you idiot. No matter what they call it, uh, it's going to sell because this this game series has established itself as the premier soccer game and it might take a, a year or two for people to catch on to what's going on but it will happen and in the long run this will be a good move for ea they will continue to make crazy fucking money and they won't have to be beholden to the uh the fifa organization our final comment uh comes from toddy Vasil- uh Vasilev. sorry toddy i i'll never get your last name right which is why i call you hot toddy because you're a hot little piece and uh, you, you say in regards to some passing comment from last week, every time I hear people talk about something gaming related and they bring up PlayStation 5 controllers is more comfortable than the Xbox conversation, I just stop talking. It's a waste of time. I agree. All consoles are created equal, but not all controllers. I think that's the way to put it. All right, that's it, guys. That's it for this week. That's all of our comments, all of our shout outs. Remember for next week, don't be shy. Reply. And uh, because we're not, we're doing a different format, that's it for this week's show, guys. So if you liked the new format for the show, you liked having the comments at the end, let me know if you have any other suggestions. I'd love your feedback. Remember, this show is only ever going to be successful if, I, if, I'm, if I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm doing something that resonates with you, the audience. So we need to find the, the middle ground. We need to find, uh, or we, we don't need to do anything, actually. I, I need to find, it's my podcast. I, I actually need to figure this shit out. But I would love to uh, take your feedback into consideration and try and make this podcast as, uh, as as perfect as it can be, although it has plenty of room for improvement. But you guys, I appreciate you listening this week. As always, um, leave some five-star reviews. I really appreciate you did. Uh, Spotify, Apple, um, tell your friends, like it on YouTube, follow me. I'm also Twitch streaming every Monday night, twitch.tv slash lightning extreme. Lightning extreme is also the name of my second YouTube page where I post like YouTube videos that aren't the podcast that I do. I've been slacking on that like crazy lately. So I need to get to work on another, but I have some funny YouTube poops and things like that up on there that you might want to check out. And then if you ever want to annoy me or, or, or have me annoy you more accurately, you can follow me on Twitter at Jesse DeRosa. Um, that's the best way to reach me. But, guys, that's it for this week's podcast. I appreciate your time as always. Hope you have a wonderful week. Stay safe. Play plenty of video games. Try that Mexican pizza and decide for yourself how it is. I have a new Mountain Dew flavor to go figure out. And uh, until next week, power your dreams. Peace.